On this episode of the Jock and Nerd Podcast, we take a look at the superhero box office and discuss whether Rotten Tomatoes is hurting or helping the movie industry at large. Can Wonder Woman get a Best Picture Oscar nomination and does it deserve to win? We get a good look at Zazzy Beats as Domino in Deadpool 2, and I get very excited because she may be the first superhero with vitiligo on the big screen. Legends of Tomorrow adds a Muslim superhero. Rugboy reviews as Tom Cruise's The Mummy. We've got some great recommendations of stuff you should watch, a voicemail from a listener, and a whole bunch more geekiness, all in this edition of the Jock and Nerd Weekly for Thursday, August 3rd, 2017. Check. Check one. That's right. Give it up one time. Give it up two times. Give it up all the times, listener. Welcome back to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Jock and Nerd. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He is the Jock. He's the nerd. And also joining us is a, a dude who's made of felt. He has six beautiful teeth and some stranger's hand up his slack hole all the time. Uh, it's Rug Boy. What's up, Rugs? What's up, dudes? How's it going? <laughs> Pretty good. How you doing? How's everybody feeling today? I just drank something. Yeah, are you okay? Are you using drank a straw? Whiskey. That's yeah. oh, jeez, whiskey on the I rocks. I need to loosen up. I'm stressed out. Oh boy, get that whiskey down your pipe hole and uh, <laughs> loosen up. Thanks for checking out the show. If you are a first time listener, this is the show where we like to talk about men and women in tights with masks and secret identities. Capes are optional. Of course, it's comic book and superhero related geek news, reviews, and interviews every week for free. Right to your ear holes if you subscribe at jockandnerd.com. Uh, this show, we got a little bit of geek news, maybe some reviews, uh, some recommendations. I got a voicemail from a listener. That's what I think is going to happen. Of course, I don't know because I can't predict the future. What am I, a meteorologist? How do they know the weather? I don't know. Anything could happen. We could end up watching Anthony try to do 100 burpees in 10 minutes uh, for the whole show. Watching him or listening to him? Listening and watching. It's just grunting. Yeah, it's just. Yeah. <laughs> Are you talking about the CrossFit games? Oh, the CrossFit. Yeah, happy CrossFit weekend. games, everyone. Anthony, do you think you could do 100 burpees in 10 minutes? 10 minutes, 100 burpees? It's like 10 burpees a minute. Uh, I think after probably. five minutes, you're going to struggle. <laughs> I, I would say I would say. I don't have the best conditioning when I CrossFit. That's how. Let's just go well, with that. Well, here is a. I start out like a house of fire, yeah. and then by the end, I'm like. <gasps> Suck and win. Especially on the burpees, you got to pace yourself. Here's your benchmark, Anthony. When I was in my prime CrossFit, when I got oh my, my body was conditioned, I actually, I got to like 95 in 10 minutes. And I was like, holy minutes. shit, I just did 95 burpees. I don't think I could do that right now. I'm way out of condition. But if I could do that, you should be able to hit that 100 burpees, no problem. Yeah, then I would probably hit 110. <laughs> Happy CrossFit <laughs> Games. Happy Lollapalooza weekend. Anthony, you're going to go check that shit out at all. If I can get in for free, I'll go. 
What? What? He's like they play real instruments. I can't go. I don't know. What is this? They got drums and guitars. I don't understand this music. What is this shit? It doesn't sound like a phone's ringtone. Yes, (laughs) it's so analog. I need music that sounds like a phone ringtone. What is this? (laughs) I love when we shut out EDM. Look, it's music. I get it. There's artistry involved in the electronic music. We're just being dicks. That's all. I disagree, but moving on. <laughs> With that said, let's get to the geek news right now, everybody. The Jock, Jock and Nerd Podcast. You want to get in touch with us, listeners? Send us some news, send us some reviews, send us your thoughts on anything geek related. Just visit slash contact where you will find links to our Twitter, Facebook, email, speak pipe, our voicemail line, which is 312 248 4376. That someone used. Who is that someone? You'll find out at the end of the show. We got a voicemail. And I, got, I got one more comment. Yes. Imran earlier in the week goes, he's looking at Lollapalooza and he goes, why would anyone go? You can just watch it online. It's the same thing. <laughs> That's what. Listen, this is what I. That I'm, is absolutely the the most pig headed thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm gonna be doing what I do every year, Lollapalooza, and watch it on YouTube in the comfort of my own apartment in Look, my underwear. Right, I'll make this analogy: Is uh, hanging out with your wife the same on Google Hangouts as it is in real life? Well, okay, uh, I, yeah, see what, I, see, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. <laughs> I don't want to stand around a bunch of sweaty assholes. I don't, I don't know. I, but you know what? You don't got to pay. You just stand outside the fence. You can hear all the music. It's outside at Grant Park. It's like, you could do that. You, know, you don't really even have to pay to go in. But that's not the same either. It's not the same either. No. But they got, yeah. a, they got a crazy, I mean, it's a weird lineup. It's like Chance the Rapper, Arcade Fire. It's always like that. Yeah. Well, you know, if, if you've gone to some of these things... You're usually really either far, really far back, and, and there's so much going on, you can't really absorb the music, or you're so fucked up, you don't right. know what's you going don't know, on. You're spinning, yeah, you can't <laughs> find your really friends. Like, if, if you really want to see the band and see them play, it's better to watch it on TV. Almost. That's all I'm saying. You got a great but audio if quality. The experience right. of like looking at a girl that's wearing like cut off jeans and a bikini top, then that's, that's not bad. That's rolling on Molly's, then you definitely got to be at the show. <laughs> I would completely disagree, but okay. I like to roll on mollies <laughs> and touch myself while watching it on YouTube. This is about the same That's, thing. It's so old, man. Both <laughs> no, it's, just, look, it's look, so uh, old, man. It's not. Because, it is. Oh, uh, it's so old, man. Because if you're, if you're at a festival... That's so huge. The stage is like microscopic. If you're in a little venue, then you could actually experience the band. That's why I like to see... I, I do I do I do go to concerts in big venues, but I like to see them in small venues if it's possible because you just feel the visceral back and forth between the band and yourself. That's all I'm saying. Live and, music, and it's to, kind of an experience, and to be so far away and so caught up in a bunch of other people, it's it. it it does take something away. Try making it from one stage to another at this Lollapalooza. And plus in the, the way the world is uh, these days, I just, I feel nervous in a large a crowd of a million people. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting old. Oh my God. What do you, <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, I've, I've been to Lollapaloozas. All right. I've been to them and sometimes they're good, but you know, it's just, I, I like to see them at a smaller venue. These bands. Is it not hard? Okay, fair enough. Okay. The, the smaller venue argument I'll go with. Yeah. The I can watch it on TV and have the same experience is absolutely asinine. <laughs> I could smoke that, everything that's, that's that I want. That's just as dumb, if not dumber, than esports will take over real sports one day. Well, you heard it here first. 
people. No, this you're is, a moron. These are all my... Uh, you are an it. absolute moron. <laughs> well, I'm not disagreeing with you there. You know me well. Also, <laughs> all right, let's move on. Also, please. look, well, before we move on, I want to tell the listener, join our Facebook group. If you're on the Facebook, go to jockandnerd.com slash yeah, community because this is where I get a lot of these links that we have in the news and uh, post a lot of fun stuff and great discussion. Yeah, so, we got like... We got so many people listening to this show, and no one's participating. Where are you, fuckers? They're out get there. on that Facebook thing. Get on. How do the you get thing. there, Rimron? Yeah, jockandnerd.com/slash/community, or just search Google. Yeah, search for a Jock and Nerd community group on Facebook. It's also connected to our page on Jock and Nerd on Facebook. Just Google the fucking thing, people. You know how the Googles work. Uh, let's start a little bit by looking at some box office numbers because I like to think about sums of money that I will never see in my entire life. And not with that attitude. Not with this attitude. We'll never see it. Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, so far, budget $175 million, has made $284 million domestically in about 27 days and 640 worldwide, which that's pretty decent, is it not? Mm-hmm. Not bad. So the domestic gross, it puts it uh, fourth right after Spider-Man, Sam Raimi, Spider-Man 1, 2, 3. However, globally, uh, it's uh, way behind all the Spider-Man, which is odd. But it hasn't opened in China. Correct. Here's the thing. Or Japan. Or Japan. So if you account for another like 100 plus million in China, maybe another 40, 50 million in Japan, it could. It, I don't think I don't think 40, 50 million. No, getting 30. Japan. I think you get like 10 mil from Japan. I, I, 10. I, wow. I, I've looked at the numbers yeah. like Japan doesn't. It's not it's not a huge country, man. That's true. What do you think? Do you think it could make a hundred mil in China though? Or I think that, I are the Chinese. Know. I, don't, I honestly don't know. I, I think it'll, it'll with China and Japan, I think do it'll you think be it's 700 million after it's all said and yeah, done. I 700. Yeah, wow. 700. So the uh, uh, amazing Spider-Man two, which is the least uh, worldwide box is at 709 million. So it's doubtful that it could even catch that. Hmm. Uh, which is weird. Uh, you think uh, either people are fatigued with superheroes or fatigued with the Spider-Man? I don't know. I would lean towards the latter. Yeah, they're they're just they we they they don't care about the Spider-Man. We've seen like movies like Wonder Woman, like give me the same but new stuff that we haven't seen. Guardians of the Galaxy be a little more popular. I think though that the the problem is is that this Spider-Man like it's not as a global of a movie. Yeah. It's like it's about high school in America and Correct. things yeah. and stuff like that. So it might be out of reach for people in like other countries. That's a good point. So that's number one. That's why Transformers and those shit ass movies do well over there because they're like they just have shit blowing up. Yeah, everyone that's can relate the other to thing that. about yeah. Homecoming is that there's not a memorable action sequence. No, there that isn't. is like that is like jaw dropping. Yeah, I'll, so, I'll give you a, a reference point for China and Japan. Yeah, so I was kind of wrong actually. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man two in Japan in China did ninety four mil. Oh, that's wow! And in Japan did thirty mil. So you factor in it; it'll probably do similar, maybe less numbers everywhere. It'll it'll easily pass Amazing Spider-Man two. So if it makes another six forty seven forty, almost eight hundred million. It made one hundred twenty mil between the two. So that was then that movie was shitty. So let's let's factor. Let's say a hundred, just being safe. So that's not bad. Spider-Man 3, Sam Raimi Spider-Man 3, 890 million worldwide. Uh, I don't think it's, yeah. it's going to catch that. You got to also fact, Spider-Man 3 was coming off Spider-Man 1. and This was like right. the trilogy at yep, the time. Yep. It's not going to break a billion. We no, know that. No. 
I, I would attribute it to like just Spider-Man fatigue. Yeah. I, especially foreign. Like here we were all like, yeah, let's get Spider-Man in Marvel. Yeah. And like it, it did well here. It didn't do like as well, I think, as people expected, but it did well. I think overseas, you know, at the end of the day, comics are, these are still American companies. True. And this is now the sixth Spider-Man movie, the third iteration of it. Yep, third person. I, th- I think just overseas, that just it's just but fatigue. This is the thing that I ask you, like, all right, Amazing Spider-Man Two was a piece of shit movie, right? Yes. Now, if it's gonna make the same money, right? What's the fucking like? What did Marvel do? What is Sony thinking? Right now, it, yeah. like, if we jump to um, Sony Picture taking a loss for the the Q one of yep, two thousand seventeen, yep, we'll get to that, yeah. Now they haven't. This is Q one. They haven't factored in the Spider-Man money's correct. Profits correct. Yet. But like, it's not like they would have been on track to make the same money if they didn't lend it out to Marvel. That is a weird spot to be in. You're absolutely right, Rug. Sony is taking an eighty-six million dollar loss Bullshit. for the first fiscal quarter of 2017. And to your point, when you know uh, all the cries of give. Spider-Man back to Marvel, Sony, because you can't make a good movie, and now this movie is going to make as much as the shittiest one Sony had made. Uh, what 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 does that mean? I, I what got, do you I do? Got two, I got two points to that. Yeah. I think domestically they wanted to do better. Yes. And they're, they're 80 million better. Yes, that's true. Also, and we're going to get to this later, but Rotten Tomatoes is now a big thing. Yes. And Sony was on the shit end of the stick with Rotten Tomatoes on their last one, and they're on the better side now. And I think they so want to win. stay on that side. Yeah, that's still a win despite... Well, and we, that'll be this, some discussion for later There's in the show. There's a lot of discussion that Rotten Tomatoes is now affecting the box yes, office. Yes, Rotten Tomatoes, box office numbers. Do these things actually uh, tell you if a movie is good? Do they actually... It has nothing no. to do with the quality of the movie at all. It, we'll get to it later. We'll get to it later. Now, Wonder Woman, on the other hand, holy crap, it's been in release 62 days. Uh, Killing it. It's made three hundred ninety-six million domestic, seven hundred and ninety million. Oh shit! Worldwide, almost eight hundred billion. I would go with eight hundred billion. Eight hundred billion, Emron. Billion, whatever. You know what I meant. We talked prior to the show about him not being good with numbers and money. (laughs) Exactly. I'm not good with numbers. Comes to fruition, (laughs) anyways. uh, Domestically, it's very impressive. Yeah. Uh, Foreign, not as impressive. Oh really? No. Well, if you look at the numbers for yeah. uh, Homecoming, I'll pull it up again. Foreign. Let's see here. Give me one 640. Second. 640 foreign. Yeah. That's 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 almost like close to double. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, actually, it's it's actually doing okay. I'm, I'm, a, li- I'm a liar. It's doing okay, foreign. Rug, but rug domestically boy. is where it's killing it. Domestically, at 396 million, puts it at a third behind The Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. It's past Batman oh, for Super. DC. Yeah, for DC. And then, as far as globally, it puts it uh, behind Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, and Batman vs. Superman. But that movie's still out. It still has good word of mouth. I also think some of this may have what hurt Spider Man is people went to see Wonder Woman again because of the good uh, word of mouth on it. I linked an article or. Um a video about to you guys personally about how Disney's killing the market. Oh yeah. I got this. But yeah. In that was the fact that now people are, they're not going to the movies as often, but they're going to see event movies, the big movies. And wonder yeah. woman is definitely become an event movie. Yeah. Whereas homecoming was solid, but not an event movie. And we're seeing that play out. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely the, 
<laughs> feminist uh, <laughs> movie. <laughs> so it's it's already it's number eight out of uh, superhero movies uh, all time domestic uh, after oh, nice. the, the Avengers, Dark Knight, Avengers: Age of Ultron, Dark Knight Rises, Iron Man three, Civil War, Spider Man, and now Wonder Woman. And then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Spider-Man 2. It's in the top 10 of highest grossing superhero movies already. So. Nice. So, and then this, so this brings me to, uh, I wanted to check in on Valerian uh, because. As, oh, so you were just telling us that and no comments or anything? No, I just want you to know where, where, that's where it is. Okay. That's where it is. Valerian, this movie that has 177 million, it's in the theaters. Let me, let me interrupt you. What yes. does Valerian have to do with Wonder Woman? I just think it's funny. He's comparing I, like how the success of yes. Wonder Woman and the and the complete fail, failure of Valerian. Opening weekend. Valerian. I had a trouble getting it out. Whoa. <laughs> I, I, that, that could be like the Avengers and like Gigli. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's a comic book uh, property made into a movie. Uh, uh, Seventeen million it made opening weekend. It's a, it made it's only made thirty three million domestic and uh, worldwide sixty two million. So. Whatever that movie, I uh, yeah, I listened to a review on Valerian. Yes, and they said it. It's actually not terrible. Oh, uh, it's not bad. It's just the fact that uh, first off, they just spent way too much money. Yes, on it. we. That's another story. But Dane DeHaan, he apparently like his character in Valerian is supposed to be kind of like this uh, cocky uh, guy that like is hooked up with a lot of girls and is like that charming kind of douchebag type. Yeah, and you know it's. It's Dane DeHaan yeah. and he looks 12 years old. So that just, it just already is miscast. Yeah. yeah he's, people, <laughs> I think that people were thinking he was going to be the next Leonardo DiCaprio. Wow, really? He's, yes. He's, that's actually something I heard. Ew. But he's not. Wow. He doesn't have any, he doesn't have fucking any of the charisma that Leonardo has. None. No, Leonardo's he, got fucking charisma. He can carry a movie. He, Leonardo also, um, he fucks he, models all the time. Right. He he <laughs> yeah. fucks models. And, he lives the life. Yes. And he, he was able to keep his baby face until he got 40. And then he put on weight and got fat yeah. and just started to look like, and then he started looking like a fat man. Yeah. Dad bod kind of guy. But he still has that kind of like. Uh, but he still smashes models like, yeah. like, oh, like yeah. the well, Hulk. That, that's what Dane's going to, I mean, Dan, Dane's not as talented for He's sure. He's never going to do that. See, but Dane, his face is always going to be like that. <laughs> that Dane DeHaan should just stick to like playing like socially awkward fucks in movies, you know? Yes. That he would be perfect. Just write a movie or a DeHaan, this is how you got to pick your pictures. He's not the guy. <laughs> He's, He's not, not the guy. No, and whoever thought this was the guy, that guy should be fired. Get another guy to figure out who the guy and is. That, and that Cara Delvalina, I can't remember. Ca- yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about right. Yeah. She's like, she's nothing. She doesn't have charisma either. She doesn't draw you and make, make you want to. She seems like a snobby bitch or something. She seems like unapproachable or unattainable. I don't know. Not unattainable, but the, well, she's she, distant. Yes, she's a yes. model and turned lesbian. actress. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it works like with uh, Gal Gadot or like a. Uh, yeah, but Gal Gadot is charming. Yeah, exactly. Yes, or yes. Like, who would play Mystique? Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, Rebecca Romaine, oh, Rebecca, Rebecca Romaine. Romaine. Yeah. yeah, she's actually she's not a bad actress. She and she right. looks great. So sometimes it works, and most of the time it doesn't. I just yeah, she just never seemed like she was. She has this bitch face. <laughs> does like, have, she, she does, does have RBF. She does. Yeah, she has resting bitch face, so she's not approachable. So what's funny is Cara Delevingne is uh, she's slated to be in this uh, like I think it's a romantic comedy with Jaden Smith. Ooh, Who the fuck is gonna watch this movie? Oh, that's gonna that's be like 
Wow. This is the worst idea ever. Whoever thought well, of putting those two together. They're just going to wipe their ass with the celluloid. Yeah, that's just a waste of money. <laughs> just give me that money. Don't make this movie. Getting back to Wonder Woman for a second. Uh, interesting article from Variety uh, citing that, you know, 700 million global box offices. It's broken records as the highest grossing movie directed by a woman ever. Now, Warner Brothers wants the action movie to break another glass ceiling, although executives haven't commented publicly on their plans. They have internally discussed launching a formidable award season campaign for what? the movie in hopes of making it the first comic book film nominated for Best Picture at the Academy No Awards. way. Not even. No? Do you think no, it could do it? No. I, I don't. I don't. I don't best think it's picture. The, no, it's not best picture. They, they effects yet, yeah, man. I don't know something. I don't know music. I don't know something else, but like not best picture. There, there's a couple. I, I would say, I do want to see a comic book movie get yes. some Oscar love, at least the nomination. But Wonder Woman as best picture is not. It's not. It's, the Dark it's Knight not. would have been the well, one. That's right. the thing. It, but the Dark Knight was when there was five best picture nominees. They have now increased it to ten movies. Wonder Woman isn't isn't. Oscar worthy, but I feel like so they're also going to stump Patty Jenkins for best director, which right. would be groundbreaking. So I feel like if enough of this feminist power rises oh, up, definitely they can, there's a that's a factor that, that's, for sure. You know, that, it, it could push sorry, it over. But I, I don't give a crap. Like that's like you're giving something to something that doesn't deserve it. Right. That's just that's that's not a meritocracy. This is that's that's just like some other kind of shit. That's like you don't. The best picture should be the best picture. Well, right. they in this article not because somebody did something. No. Like, she did do something amazing. She made an action movie that broke all kinds of records. Yes. All right. So that has to be commended. But an Oscar, that's like I think that's a that's too far. So we also Wonder Woman, as good as it is, has in my opinion, and I've watched a few videos on it as well that kind of confirm it. Very bad, severe problems in its third act. Yeah. Oh yeah. We I mean, talked about that as yeah, well, and we're yeah. idiots. Right. Exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, the Academy's not going to fucking go for that well, shit. that's the thing. And if Dark Knight couldn't get it, although... How, how much how much money do you think... Like, It takes I, a lot I of money. I feel like the Academy... I feel like everything's corrupt, but yeah. I feel like the Academy, if you if Warner Brothers gives them enough money, I could see something like this. Well, happen. they have to spend... This would be something that's a political statement on right. behalf of... Listen, like, the Academy's been under fire for not being inclusive enough, yeah. Yeah. not being yeah. uh, embracing of other cultures, yeah. and this and that. This could be where they start to be... So, like, uh, th but at that at that point, do you... Now, do the Oscars mean anything? Well, when yeah, they're well, just I, I uh, clearly giving Oscars to films that don't deserve them. I remember... A while, I don't know what year it was, but when Denzel won yeah. best best lead actor, yeah, that was a year when a lot of people said he actually didn't have his best. No, role. no, was for it, training, it, day? I think for training, yeah, day, right? he should have yeah. won for Malcolm X. He won supporting for Glory. So, and so that was more like a okay, we're we're finally it's time you know, to give it. To it's you time now. to like mm -hmm. honor a black guy. Yeah, okay, we'll yeah. give it to him right now. And that happens all the time. So they have to spend a lot of money to market this to the Academy. Uh, but like I said, that's now ten movies for best picture category and. Blockbuster movies like Gravity and the Martian have started to make the cut. A comic book movie has not yet, but Warner Brothers executives have been wondering if new membership expansions, which have increased the voting body to include younger members and more diversity, will boost Wonder Woman's chances. Get this, among the new class of voters is star Gal Gadot. She's one of the voters of the Academy now in these new membership expansions. If there is any kind of righteousness in the world this yeah. would not not happen <laughs> as much as i love wonder woman it's a great movie i love gal gadot in it i love what patty jenkins did i think that she created a great movie but 
I don't think it should happen. This is just a bad thing if it happens. It's Warner not Brothers, the right movie. You, this is not the movie that you want to hang like all comic book movies on. No, to get I mean, the Oscar. It says here they also have Dunkirk. So Dunkirk and Wonder Woman are going to be their two big movies. They're going to push for. Have you uh, seen any of these great movies that came out this year that are not that are should be Oscar worthy? No. So have you seen Dunkirk? Not yet. Or any other bullshit that came out this year? <laughs> Look, if this does happen, you can kind of blame uh, Donald Trump because of him turning everyone uh, into a champion of uh, feminism in response to the shit he's doing. You want to know who will never win that should win the Oscar? Yes. Mel Gibson. That's a good point. Because he made a fucking amazing film. Yes. I he's forgot the name of it, but it was fucking great. Apocalypta? No. It was the we just made a movie with uh, Andrew Garfield as a as oh, a medic. Oh, Hacksaw Ridge. Yes, that movie was fucking I awesome. Saw, I saw that on demand. I gotta do it. The other thing they cite is that if Justice League is fucking shit, then this could totally hurt Wonder Woman's chances again because it's gonna overshadow. No one's gonna remember the Wonder Woman, but they're gonna reintroduce this film to, in the fall to the few who maybe have not seen it to try to get an Oscar push. I thought that was crazy. Interesting. I mean, if there is. This isn't the movie, first off, right. that I think should just get seems it weird. as the comic book form or as a film with a woman as a lead or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. But I could see it happening. Right? The it could happen. It. The world it is so, it's, everything is so upside down that this is not outside well, the realm it, it's of very, It's a very, but like, let's fight back. Sort it, of wouldn't, it wouldn't be a merited Oscar. It would be, right. a, it would be a granted Oscar. It would be like a gift. Like, hey, here you go. You you did something great. Let's commend you on what you. It's a commendation more than a deserved. Yeah, a commendation. Thing. It's one of those where hey, here now go away for a little bit, yeah. please. Stop yeah. bothering us. <laughs> exactly. It's. Just, I mean, it was a feat. I don't want to detract from I mean, that. It's it made, was a it's, feat. It's made so much money. It's it's broken so many records. Yeah. Is it best picture but Oscar making? Making. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's all subjective. That, I, I can't say I've watched the Oscars right. in the past ten years, right. maybe, but feel like there's a little there's a, a bit higher standard that they should hold things to i mean crouching tiger hidden dragon was nominated for an oscar and those films are a dime a dozen and uh like uh like i've seen crouching tiger hidden dragon it's a good movie but i mean you look at any other like asian you know you know movie in that era there's so many of them that are just like that or better and they never got nominated for oscars they didn't have american producers behind it I did just see The Big Short. That was a Oscar winner of a couple of years ago. It was a pretty good movie. It's a good movie. It's got the yeah. It was uh, last year. That was last year. Yeah, Christian yeah. Bale, Steve Carell. Uh, very about the uh, housing bubble. Very good movie. But is this Wonder Woman like The Big Short again? This they're gonna, they got ten movies. They got to come up with ten movies. They got to come mean, up with ten. Movies. I could easily could see Wonder Woman. It, it might get nominated for like a little a little nod, yeah. but I don't know if I don't see it winning Best Picture. Yeah, we'll see. That's interesting. Are they, are they going for actress too and director? No, I think they're just going to go director and best picture. Is what it okay. seems like. Which is that's ambitious in its own right. Something. Uh, yeah. You're like, <laughs> you're like, yeah, you would direct. You're a woman and you directed an action movie. That Let's made give money. you a thing. Yeah, I feel like if, but it's no, so if you were the and, first, yeah. you know, if you were the first to make this much money, is it is it deserving? I mean, James Cameron should be swimming in Oscars. Oh shit! Yeah. Well, his wife Catherine Bigelow Titanic, was the Titanic other one. Titanic did who won. get Oscar nominated, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, but that wasn't an action film. 
That's right. That I mean, it romantic. was. The second half of it was all action. <laughs> no, get the fuck out of here, It was a romantic run. period piece once with, the, with action in it. Once the boat hits the iceberg, that's all you got to watch. Just you don't have to watch the be, first it, half of the I fucking movie. disaster film, maybe oh, not okay, disaster. Film. Yeah, you're right. It's a disaster movie. Yeah. Which, that's also weird that a disaster it was a very, movie. It was a drama. It was a romance. Yeah, it had everything in it. It was everything. All right, sticking with the DCEU news a little bit, we talked about <laughs> San Diego Comic-Con and how right before Hollywood Reporter put out this article about ba- ba- Batfleck, uh, questioning is he going to stick around does he want to jump and then he kind of sort of vaguely addressed uh, the fact that he that he likes being Batman he didn't say I'm Batman I'm here for the long haul he didn't say anything like these are wrong I'm down till I'm dead he just said I have a great job right now at the moment and then this rumor comes out which has uh, been completely debunked. Uh, last week, a South African fan site claimed that Ben Affleck signed a new contract to be a part of Matt Reeves' Batman trilogy yeah, with the really final movie taking inspiration from Batman Beyond to set up the next phase of the DCEU. No. Uh, completely false. Uh, it's from the, <laughs> the article was written by Edward Enigma. Uh, I lo- I that's a clue. To- I have to throw David Malofsky under the bus. He lo- he posted that on the Yes, he was very excited about site. this. Very excited <laughs> yes. about it. Started commenting. Yes. He was in like, the middle of making his mix. And I was like, <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. And I was like, dude, you, you just posted a site, a source's comic, ins- comic book insect. From or something. South Africa, uh, right. nobody, and nobody else reported this. So in case you are confused, listener, that none of that's happened. We still don't know if this the Batman is going to include Ben Affleck is Batman, and I feel like it really shouldn't. If he's Matt Reeves wants a trilogy, you're not, and you need the same guy for three movies. Uh, Ben's not going to wa- want to do this. Clearly, yeah, I think he just wants to see how Justice League goes to make his next move. But chances are, uh, he's going to be done. He's done with this. Who knows? They're, they they hit on Wonder Woman, but I still think they're a fucking mess over there. Absolutely. Uh, let's move over to uh, Marvel uh, and Fox X-Men universe. We have some fun photos uh, of actress Zazie Beetz uh, from the show Atlanta as Domino from the Deadpool sequel. Geek Mooner. Two really cool photos. One that uh, Ryan Reynolds himself tweeted out where she's lying on a rug which is a red rug, a red rug, which is a flat Deadpool costume in front of a fireplace. Kind of like he was lying on a bear rug when the first movie came out. That's clever. And I, I love that. She's literally lying on Deadpool. And then there was another one closer up. And uh, so basically we have Zazie beats and leather clad. She's got uh, uh, pouches and weapons, big Afro and a white mark around her eyes. This is kind of, a flip of the comic book Deadpool uh, character who is kind of like an albino with chalk white skin with a black tattoo over one eye. They've kind of reversed this. Uh, and I, I kind of like, I like the look. I think it fits the universe. The most curious thing for me though, guys, is if you look at the second photo, which all these things will be in our show notes, jockinerd.com slash 180. It looks like she has vitiligo Geek boner. over the eye as the mark. First of all, what do you guys think of how this domino looks? Any thoughts? I don't have a problem with it at all. Yeah, I, 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 I saw some comments on our thing that other people were like, eh, or no. I don't, I don't have a problem with it either. It's that thing where when it's a character you don't really care about, yeah, it doesn't I was gonna matter. Say, I, was <laughs> like, gonna say, I don't, I don't I, think domino is uh, 
some anyone's favorite comic no, book but character. That's, that that's exactly it. Yes, you can do. You could swap anything as long as it's not like someone's childhood character. Like if it's somebody like Domino, like nobody really cares about Domino. Like there's probably somebody that like really likes Robert Layfield, and those people should be shot. Yes, no, I'm, I'm like. But I mean, like, no, uh, I, I like, agree. I, I like, I like Rob Layfield in, in in a way, you know, guilt guiltily. But like, um, like, there's no like Domino fans that are like, you know, even cosplaying Domino at this there point. There's nobody be, I mean, doing it, Domino. There, yeah, that's true. But there, I don't know. Are there Domino fans like Kevin Stencils, who's a big X Men fan? I, I feel like he would be a big Domino fan. Uh, real quick, Domino, the character, uh, first appearance, New Mutants ninety eight, nineteen ninety one, created by. Fabian Nichezza, Rob Leefield, uh, and like uh, if you don't know, like we said, she's a chalk white with a black mark, and her powers are she has these weird good luck powers where she has to put herself in danger and it activates subconsciously this power that she can navigate through things and nothing will touch her. But so, for example, if something was falling and she stood there she would get crushed by the thing. But if she actually started to avoid it, her powers would kick in and she would just magically sidestep every piece of debris or well, bullet coming the, her out. Her whole power is that she has to get into danger all the time yes. to, to actually be of any help. To, yeah, to actually so she has avoid to throw it. herself yeah. in the crossfire. She has to throw her... And then her powers will act accordingly. Which is, it's kind of like a... Uh, the domino effect. The domino, ah, I see. The domino effect. There you go. I, they're kind of so interesting powers. she's basically powers. an adrenaline junkie. And she's the opposite of Black Cat. Yeah, she's the op where Black, Black Cat, Cat has the bad luck like, powers. Yeah. She's got like, Black Cat's like, you fight her, bad things happen to you. Like, you know, you're fighting the Black Cat and all of a sudden you'll like, something will... Like the wood that you're standing on will crack and then you'll fall through or something like that. Just something weird will happen. Domino's is kind of like the opposite of that. She puts herself in danger and then the world like changes around her to, to for her benefit. Her her real name, her alter ego is Nina Thurman. And much like uh, Deadpool, she's the result of a top secret government breeding program that where it was trying to develop the perfect weapon. She was the only test subject to survive this experience, but her luck power was deemed a failure uh, for them. And uh, she, her mother broke her out of the project and now she is a badass. So there's another superhero that has this power. His name is long shot. Correct. Yes. yes. Probability powers. Yes. yes. So it's kind of like a female version of long shot. So, I mean, it's kind of a cool character. It's a, it's, it's a neat way you can translate this on film very well. Um, but do you, I hope they go with this vitiligo angle because now, hey, look, now there's a vitiligo superhero. If only she was Muslim. Uh, yes, now we need a Muslim. But the only look at so if I'm gonna get there, oh, I'm here. If I'm okay, gonna, if I'm gonna he get said shit, so. I'm, 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 I'm listening because I know this is Imran's thing. If I'm okay. gonna get really nitpicky with the design, uh, one thing is that the vitiligo does not occur asymmetrically like this. Like, if it's on the one side of her eye, it would be on the other fucking side of her eye also. Really? That's how it spreads. You don't, you, yes. There, you, there was no, no. Uh, anti, no, like, 
unsymmetrical thing. So if you had something on your arm, it had to be on the other I arm too. Yes. And it starts like on the hips and the hands I had, it would be on my hands on both hands, both sides of my face. That's kind not of exactly true. Your one, one side, your mustache is turned that, white. Well, yeah. that's weird. Fire! No, but that, but that, <laughs> but that is a unique thing because I don't think doctors have studied anyone with the Lego who's had it for like 36 years. And literally one side of my mustache overnight, there's like a white spot and it's not on the other side. But while I, when I was born for the listener, who doesn't know, look, I'm Pakistan. I was born a little brown kid. And then when I was about six or seven, after a trip to Pakistan, uh, it's a, something that you're born with uh, and, and something triggers it, like a traumatic event triggers it. I started to get white spots around my eyes and they would be around both eyes and then around both sides of my mouth and on my, both of my elbows and my hands, knees, feet, and it was always symmetrical. So they're, you know, they're playing with the, the, the vitiligo aspect a little bit, but if it is, if it's explained as vitiligo, I'm going to have a huge geek boner because uh, that's pretty crazy. Now I went down a rabbit hole uh, there's a lot of celebrities with vitiligo, believe it or not. Uh, Winnie Harlow, which is, uh, was America's top model. She is, uh, one of the, the, the recent primary ones. She's been in an Eminem video. Of course, Michael Jackson, we all know Michael Jackson, Holly Marie Combs, who was on Charmed, one of the witches. And she's on Pretty Little Liars. These are white people. Yes. It doesn't really, it's not really the same, is it? It is. I mean, it's the, it, they're they, even whiter. They get whiter. They get whiter. <laughs> Dude, yeah. John Scott, Hamm, jo- Scott Jorgensen, a UFC fighter. Yeah. White, UFC fighter. Dudley Moore had it. Steve Martin has vitiligo. Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan has vitiligo. Rashid Wallace. If you look, Joe Rogan never wears long sleeves or never wears short sleeves anymore. His hands are all fucking vitiligo. Dude, that it totally reminds me of being a kid. Like my parents would make me wear like long sleeve shirts and I would never wear shorts and like it would because it just looked weird and I got used to people staring. So whatever. Let's let's be honest about this thing. Yeah. The only reason we're talking about it is because of you. Of course. That's something <laughs> no, I can no one, relate no to. No one ever gives a fuck about this thing. <laughs> I'm just excited that this is I know. A I can go, tell. Uh, I don't want to completely shit all over your moment here. The, the, a lot of celebrities. But these, I didn't know a lot of these celebrities. I was surprised. Uh, uh, this Indian actor, Amitabh Bachchan, who I grew up watching, he has it. I was like, Joe Rogan. It's fucking crazy. So look, all these celebrities are going to come out. We're going to be pro vitiligo. We're going to get vitiligo social justice warriors. I'll be leading the charge. More. There's- it's a lot more common than you think, Imran. <laughs> it's like, a, it's, like a, it's like two or three percent of uh, the population has it. I uh, I see it a lot more often than you think. Two or three percent is a is a decent percentage. That's 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 a lot. When, you th- when you're yeah, well, you do see more it. than trans people. You do see it. <laughs> so Domino does not need to be comics Eric accurate. And Rugs, as you were saying before about Lee Field. it's just funny. He's so overrated and like well, all oh, this wait, shit wait, is coming to him. Yeah overrated he's over let's get let it get into this yes he is so made fun of online i don't know how you could think he's overrated in fact he's he so made fans, fun of though. now that, that people probably think he's underrated he's so made fun of i online. guess you're right he has but i see a lot of guys overrated on twitter would be like a guy that's getting this uh, enormous a huge amount of praise and i, I don't know anyone that's no, not talking about rob layfield amount of haters than right the okay like. well, i don't I, think anyone saw everyone that brings up rob layfield to like someone that's an artist or loves comics yes. is like ah oh, that guy's, that guy's a fucking, a fucking hack well when the movie came out i just felt like a lot of people were congratulating him and i was like Bro, he didn't even invent this version of Deadpool Dude, that we see. If you look at this picture that you have up there, yes, just look at Horrible. Deadpool. Yes. Look at under his his like chest muscle. All those muscles That's in there are completely all completely wrong. wrong. The man has no sense of anatomy, proportion, no. uh, foreshortening, uh, fucking anything. But all his faces is, look the same. The, the eye, Domino's design, the one eye tattoo, is just like he took the one off Deadpool and just put it on... 
It's lazy. The, it's lazy the, fucking art. But even the powers, it's just stole from from long, from long shot. shot. Everything is stolen. Deadpool <laughs> is derivative himself. But like now we're getting Cable, Josh Brolin, and but Deadpool was this like vindication that he got vindicated. For he got Deadpool. But here's the thing: his Deadpool was not this smart talking, fourth wall breaking dude that everyone loves. He was a shitty, boring character. Joe I mean, Kelly was the one who started writing him, like the Deadpool. Daredevil we wasn't Daredevil when he first came out. That's a good point. I don't, look on this cover, New Mutants '98. First Hulk appearance was of, gray when he first of, came out. Well, he was. Uh, well, the printer screwed up. That's what happened. Well, it was supposed to. I'm be just gray. saying. Yeah. Uh, there's, ev- there's evolution. Dude, all his faces are exactly the same. He never draws backgrounds or feet uh, or hands properly. I heard one Ugh. time, I heard like a, I saw a video, or I heard a video of Stan Lee like analyzing like these 90s artists. Yeah. And like what they were drawing. He's like, oh, look, you're going to throw pouches on them. And <laughs> oh, and you're going to throw that. He's like, okay, how are they going to dress in their civilian gear <laughs> <laughs> on, on top of this? Yes. Are they going to put all that? Are they going to be carrying all this? How do, how does that work? How long is this going to take to put on? Like he was perplexed that like these costumes weren't practical and that you couldn't just throw these on real quick. Everyone has giant metal shoulder pads for some reason. Uh, he Why was, do they have, where, where would the pouches go? Like, so, I mean, he, you could give him credit for him joining with image and breaking away, but he's the least talent. One of those motherfuckers. He's a product of the nineties of the I time. I wouldn't say I want to go that far. You don't I think, think so? He's, Imran hates no, him. no. See, Rob Wayfield is not as talented as we thought he was. Yeah. So when like, or everybody thought he yeah. was. But he still has something to him. What there's is still, it? What do you like still about the quality to him? Um, now, when you look at his anatomy, it's very easy to fucking be like, this guy fucking can't draw. Yeah. But he drew comics and we all read them. So he, somehow he ate with his lack of ability was able to still, you know what I mean? He still made it somehow. He fucking was he able to do it. He reminds me of a... An artist, which you guys probably Zach think Snyder. is Snyder. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to go musically, which you guys yeah. probably think is everyone now. But anybody that's made it and had like their one hit wonders, yeah. Like, okay, maybe they weren't talented, but they did get to that. They get they did get to the top. Yes, yes. At one yes. point in their career, yes. and that's more than. But you're like ninety nine point nine percent of the population could say. I think he just like weaseled his way in and got lucky. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. No, I think I think he has a quality. I think that a lot of artists that copy him or way better like travis charist yeah or uh any there's a whole so many artists that like ripped off layfield and did layfield better than he did but um you could tell that he was ripping off of um art adams yeah and you know the, there's the even the guys who ripped off of Art adams themselves the guys who did uh i can't remember his name now fuck uh the guys who did gen 13 what, what oh i don't know scott lob no. oh lobdell no, not Scott Lobdell is another guy. But um I can't remember his name at the top right now. But like there's a lot of guys that do Layfield better than Layfield now. Jim so. Jim Lee and Brandon Choi. Oh, J. Scott Campbell. J. Scott's Ca- yeah, that's it. J. Scott Campbell's actually pretty good. I don't know. Like that I just But they did Layfield better than Layfield. Yes, and I just you're right though. How did he he was just I think it was just right place, right time in the nineties. Well, I'll tell you what. See, Jim Lee and Silvestri yeah. were these two guys. Silvestri came first. Yes. All right. And they had this kind of like dissimilar uh, style that was like cross-hatchy, um, very stylized, like influenced by Japanese animation just a little bit. Right. Um, Sylvester was first. 
Lee came, and then he was the next guy that had that style that, and he was on a big uh, mutant book, and so he just skyrocketed. Um, he was actually on Hawk and Dove first. Oh yeah, and uh, I liked his work on Hawk and Dove. It was very stylistic. I like Mark Silvestri, but um, Layfield went from Hawk and Dove to New Mutants, and then that was it. He just exploded, and he was the bit, and then like he like Hawk and Dove is like. Nobody reads that book, right? Look, I, so I, he's on a he, he was on the book that he deserved to be on. Yeah, Hawk and Dove. <laughs> that's something right, that now to throw him on New Mutants or anything near the X Men. Yeah. That was like he got a fucking. It's it's like he got p- played on like the uh, on the the top radio station like at the prime time, right? And and it was a one hit. Look, if anything, I can I will give him credit for the creation of Deadpool, Cable, Domino. So these characters that have still survived and are still around. Hey, as a kid in the nineties. Yeah. I looked at these and thought this was good. Yes, and and for the time, this was the moment of the time. But you look at it now, and you're like, "What the shit is it this?" It doesn't endure. Yes. No. Where is his other arm? Why is that bulgy? Those aren't real muscles. Uh, ah. All that. But here's to more vitiligo superheroes in the future. <laughs> what uh, a tangent. <laughs> I think we. I think we've literally anybody that was listening to this episode has now turned this off and is listening to something else. Uh, okay, that's a good time to take a quick break. <laughs> And Not a put, chance. Play some promos <laughs> of a, a podcast you may want to listen to instead of this horse shit. And we will continue uh, on the flip side. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, my name is Paul, and I'm not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I'm not an animal expert either. And together we do a podcast about animals called Varmints. Every week we pick an animal, do a bunch of research on it, and bring you some interesting facts about that animal. But we don't stop there. We talk about that animal in movies, TV, and other pop culture. And we talk about whether or not the animal would make a tasty dish, and how intelligent we think that animal is on a scale of 1 to 10. It's exactly like one of those fancy PBS nature documentaries. Except... Not at all like that, really, in any way. We're on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from, and we're at BlazingCaribouStudios.com. Do you like movies? Get busy living, or get busy dying. Mr. Anders. Life, uh, finds a way. TV? A girl has no name. Soft kitty, warm kitty. You didn't think I'd just disappear, did you? Music? Hello? All my friends are heathens, take it slow. Video games? It's me, Mario. Get over here! Hey, listen! If you love geeking out about your pop culture passions, See Here's the Thing may be the podcast for you. Join me and my co-host Patrick as we dive into a weekly digest of news clips about movies, TV, video games, theater, and more. Special guests, improv games, and terrible celebrity impersonations abound in our weekly episodes published directly on Podomatic. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Google+, and Pinterest. See, here's the thing. It's where humor and pop culture collide. My name is Carrie Sims, and I host Sketching Comedy with my artist friends, Imran Javed. Hey, that's me! And Phil Rude each week live on YouTube. Hang out with us as I learn and discuss the legends of comic book art and comedians while the fellows are creating live drawings during the show. I learned Jack Kirby most closely identified with his creation, The Thing. 
Oh, yeah, that's right, Carrie. He was an old-school tough guy, and it's because he was in a street gang in New York. Visit BlazingCaribouStudio.com or tune in each week on our YouTube channel and download the podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever podcasts are found. Catch you later! Hey, quick disclaimer for the listener. Our show, the Jock and Nerd Podcast, is purely for entertainment value. We like you put on the podcast, have a few laughs. It's entertainment. Now, if you end up learning shit, uh, that's on you. You fucked up. You listened wrong. I don't know what to tell you. Go back. Try again. You shouldn't be learning anything. You should be laughing. And if we are entertaining you and you want to support the show and you want more show... Consider joining our fan club on Patreon, jockandnerd.com slash Patreon will take you there, where for a low monthly pledge, you'll get access to awesome bonus content, a whole extra podcast feed you can put in your podcast app and get hours of bonus content. That being said, it's the first show of the new month. I have to thank all our wonderful Patreons on the Jock and Nerd fan club. Super huge thank you to the following people. Joe Henry. Zika's Viral Comics, check it out on email. Jimmy McPike, Wes Cranford, Matthew Lawrence, Ron S. Hans, Adam Morris, Blazing Caribou Studios, Stephen Tran, Joe from work, Steve Morrison, Matt Delhauer, A Place to Hang Your Cape, and Philip Milan. Thank you guys so much for supporting us every month. They are Wait all- a minute. Yes. I only counted 15 people. That's what that's what it is. 15 people? There's 15 people. Are you fucking shitting it's, me? It's growing. I I want the list to be twice as long. It's pretty good, though. Twice as long? It should be four times as long. <laughs> Seven times. I can't do math. What are you I guys doing you. out I'm not, there? I'm not good with numbers. Support the podcast. We got free shit. Free shit? Or a dollar? A, Zoe has a dollar? Your change jingling in your pocket. <laughs> do it, fuckers. I know you got it in there. <laughs> You fucks. Yeah, you've got change in like your couch or like yeah. reach in pockets Listen, and you've probably got belly button lint that you can donate. When you're <laughs> when you're out there spending your money and you're buying a pack of cigarettes or that stupid scratch off. Buy one less scratch off. Stra- Instead of the scratch you're off. You're not going to win shit. Jock and nerd. <laughs> you Come on. You ain't winning. Stupid scratch. <laughs> you ain't willing. Well, you're not going to win. Come on. Who are we fooling? You're not winning the Daily Double. You're not winning shit. Here's where you will win. Give us a dollar a month. You win extra bonus content that will keep you entertained. What more could you ask for? Right? Right. It's a guarantee. Guarantee. Okay, look. We're going to continue with the news real quick. Run down to some TV news. Next season on The Flash. They have added uh, this dude, Hartley Sawyer, to the cast. He's going to be playing Ralph Dibney, the elongated man. Geek boner. What part of him is elongated? Oh, I hope the good part. Depends on the the woman. (laughs) The good part, I hope. Depends. Or the man. Ask his wife, Sue Dibney. Elongated man. Who's, uh, if you've read Terrible. that awesome Identity Crisis uh, from that 2004. That sounds wrong. It does. Is that like, what? <laughs> like in a comic? Okay. Yes. But in, a, in like a TV show, I'm elongated. You know, it just sounds dirty. How is Cisco going to come up with this and it's just going to be a dirty joke? He, it's got to be. If they don't treat it like a dirty joke, they, they fucking failed. So they've also said no more speedster villains, and I don't. Good. How are they going to show stretchy powers being cool? Again, we've seen it, and it's hard to make it won't stretchy. Be cool. It's not going to be cool. So, but there's a it's a good deep cut elongated man. Uh, Arrowverse uh, crossover next year. They're doing the four show thing again, but this time they're doing two shows and two shows instead of spreading it out all 
week. So this will be in November. Uh, on Monday, they're going to have Supergirl and Arrow. And then Tuesday, it's going to be Flash and Legends of Tomorrow. And they're going to do their big four-episode crossover, which was eh, kind of okay last year. It didn't really... It really had nothing to do with anything else, and it had no consequences, and Supergirl was barely in it in her episode. So, Fail. Look for more of that. Legends of Tomorrow, guys, is adding a Muslim character to its cast. Now, we had mentioned this a couple of episodes ago, a couple of months ago, about ISIS was going to join Legends of Tomorrow. And it's Whoa. not the terrorist group. It's the old school uh, superhero from DC called ISIS. But they've been going on this press tour... So they're introducing a new superhero, a Muslim computer hacker from the future named Zari Adriana Tomaz, played by actress Tala Ashi. Uh, and they've said, uh, executive producer Mark Guggenheim, that why they did it, he said, you may have heard there was this election, and not to get political, but something that we all gravitated toward in the writer's room was making this character Muslim. So, look, you got a, a girl character and a Muslim. Uh, again, look, I got Vitiligo and Muslim and two separate characters coming to superhero stuff. Progress. Um, I'm, it's a little bit of progress. I'm happy. It'll be funny. I've seen already a lot of hateful comments on Facebook about <laughs> of this. Course. Really? So, yes. Wow. Yes. People suck. People suck. Wow. So we'll see how many people shit on this when, when this comes out. Who gives a shit? I know. It doesn't matter. Like, what? who cares? I don't know why people get so worked up on the stupidest things. Uh, but that's exciting. Uh, now just give me a Miss Marvel TV show. That would be awesome. Uh, Marvel, over on the Marvel side on Netflix... Uh, Marvel seems to be accelerating their production schedule, and it's possible we may get four Netflix shows next year. We're going to get three this year, uh, Defenders in August, and possibly Punisher in November. Still no date or, or confirmation of a release date for the Punisher yet, but it's got to be coming out this year. In this article for, uh, from MCU Exchange, uh, it says Marvel and Netflix footprint in New York has grown to include additional 23 episodes of its series to be shot in the state by the end of 2017, raising its overall count to 135 episodes. So they're counting Daredevil season three, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones and Iron Fist. Hmm. The thing about Iron Fist is this part is good. They're finally toying with shorter seasons. Iron Fist may only be like eight episodes. Listen, Marvel, you got to listen to me. Yes. I told you this before. Okay, hold I'll on, say here. it again. Well, let's Here's the rundown. Let's keep it short and sweet. Just make six episodes, and then that story's over, and then wait a couple of months, and then release the next six installments. So, like, you have that, like, two complete stories. It'll feel like you're, you, people are getting more. They're getting two stories instead of one. You're getting two events instead of one. You release one. It's over. It's like you blew your load, but you cut it up into two. You have a little bit more of a tighter show, six episodes each or six and a half. If you want to do an hour and a half episode uh, finale and boom, now you feel like people are getting your Netflix customers are feeling like they're getting more for their money. They're not just blowing their load on one show and then they're done and they binge it and they're done. So do you split up the season or is that two separate yeah. seasons? You do see split first up the half. season okay. into two parts. That's like what they did with the get down. Yeah, do it that way. So there's keep it short and sweet. They're saying Iron uh Iron Fist season two, maybe just eight episodes. Jessica Jones Luke Cage season two will be thirteen episodes each. The epi eight episodes for, for Iron Fist still, still probably too, too long. long. But they well, that's too long. Yeah. 
Because Finn Jones is Iron Fist. Yes. They put a fucking costume on him, get some kung fu artists on here. Uh, what, dude, what's crazy is they'll be producing 135 episodes by the end of 2017. You know what? You know what's year. crazy to me? Yeah. If when Daredevil and Jessica Jones first came out, I would have been all on the we need more Netflix. I would think I even said it on the show. Give me as much Netflix Marvel stuff as possible. Yeah. After the second half of Luke Cage and Iron Fist, yeah, yeah. I have really cooled off on Netflix <laughs> Marvel. Like, like, give me a good show. Don't give me more. Just give me a good show. And yeah. I, and Rug Boy's suggestion is great. Split it up. Change it up because 13 episodes is not working. Either that or shorten it like like you did with Iron Fist, like to eight, yeah. and spend more money on each episode. Yeah, I think like do eight, one or the other. Yeah. Either break it up into like because there's two different schools of thought on this. There's number one, the school of thought of the story being just too drawn out, right. not entertaining, not tight enough. So you solve that instantly if you split the season in two. Yep. All right. Now, if you're talking about effects and entertainment value, like you don't have the money to actually do anything. So if you just take the money that you would have and spend on 12 episodes or 13 episodes and you cut it down to, or what is it? 10 episodes that they do. They do. No, sure. They do 13. Okay. So they, do thir- yeah. they do 13. You cut it down to eight. You got more money to spend. Absolutely. On each episode. On effects and stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, so that's a good solution. Uh, so, but Anthony, you may be right. Cause the next year we're going to get a new seasons of daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage and iron fist. And as much as punisher too. and punisher this year. And as much as that, how exciting that sounds is that, is that too much? If it's all 13 episodes and, and, and as long as it's good, it's not too much, yeah, but well. I've just cooled off on Netflix. Uh, well, I'm not as confident. They need to in change the their game. They need to up their game. Uh, and like defenders, even it, it seems like it'll be okay. I'm kind of nervous we'll from see, some of we'll these. See what, right, defenders that, might put me right back on board. But Iron Fist really soured. I, I agree. It kind of so soured many, me too. There's so many slow moving dramas yes. to watch. Yes. Why would you watch a Marvel show? If you can watch well, you, other slow movie dramas, you, wanna, you need to have right. you need to present something different. You need to present something that's worth watching for that particular genre. And some of these Marvel shows, I don't want to be slow moving dramas. This is Marvel superheroes. Like, why is this a slow moving drama? It works for some of them. Some of them just get to the point, blow some shit up, make it a good, compelling uh, arc, story arc, or two story arcs. See, the thing is, it's like if you're going to watch something like Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad, yeah. There's like these interlocking characters. It's so complexly written and whatever. Like those characters, like Luke Cage doesn't lend itself to that. No, no. Um, it's not it's not the right medium to try that shit. Like Jessica Jones, like yeah, maybe you could do something like that, but not every character, not all four of the defenders can be do doing that. Defenders would be interesting. I read I saw a piece where there's a scene where every lead every character on defenders is in like the same room at one point during the show. And I'm not talking about just the four, like everybody, all the side characters, everyone's in the same room at one point on this show. So maybe they're at a rave. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they're in line to buy, uh, to go to a EDM concert. I don't know. Yeah. What are they doing? Likely. What are they doing on the same room? Like all the good guys, bad guys, everyone. It's the Electric Daisy Carnival. Uh, it's the EDC. All right, that's it for the news. I wanted to talk a little bit. Let's back to our what we were talking about at the beginning. Is Rotten Tomatoes hurting the movie industry? Do box off? We talk about box office numbers. We talk about these scores. Does it really say anything about the quality of a movie? I could instantly fix this problem. Okay. 
basically, if any reviewer is eligible to be part of Rotten Tomatoes, they have to include a numerical score with their review. You know who you could kind of blame for this, uh, fresh or not, is uh, Siskel and Ebert. Back in starting in 75, this is how they remember they both at the end would rate their movies thumbs up up or thumbs down, making it completely binary, making it a yay or nay. But they don't even do that. But that's the thing. These reviews are completely subjective. You can read it and go, oh, that was a thumbs up. Yes. Oh, that was a thumbs down. Yes. Like Ebert and Siskel would say, this is a thumbs up. See this movie. They implicitly said, this is a good movie. They put their stamp on it. These reviewers that are writing for these papers and half of these things, there is it's interpreting. You're interpreting what they say, and you could say, oh, that's a rotten review. Some of these reviews I read, and I'm like, how is this rotten? It yeah. seems middle of the road. Yeah, yeah. So if, is middle of the road rotten? That's the problem. If, that's, you're saying, that's if, you're the... saying, if you're saying that it's got redeeming qualities and it has a couple of problems, you could say that about Wonder Woman. Right. That That's the flaw in, in Rotten Tomatoes' model is – they make it a binary decision where it's yes or no. Yep. When when you're judging art, sometimes it's not yes or no. And we look at box office numbers, which really tells nothing about the movie. Also, what, uh, so this article from uh, Hollywood Reporter titled Studios Fight Back Against Withering Rotten Tomato Scores points out the power of the tomato meter uh, has reached a tipping point where now if the movie gets fresh, good reviews, they use it in their marketing. They put it up front in all the trailers and commercials. If it gets a bad review, they blame the tomato meter for lack of box office returns. However, this was interesting. The Emoji Movie's $24.5 million domestic opening during the July 28th to 30th weekend accomplished what no other movie has been able to do during a tough summer season at the box office. Survive an abysmal Rotten Tomato score. 7% and open in line with pre-release tracking. Let me me jump in here. Rug Boy's point is good and it's definitely worth discussion. As far as Rotten Tomatoes and the movie studios fighting this. Yeah. I think this article summed it up best. Yeah. Um, the best way to combat this mm-hmm. is to make better movies. Uh, ultimately, so, yes. So <laughs> I know, I remember yes. back in the day, people would complain, why are these blockbusters? They suck. They're making all this money. Yeah. Well, now they're not making this money yeah. because of bad reviews. Yeah. But so Anthony, could you not look at some of these scores that some of these movies got and be like in complete disagreement? Yes. You can be, but if... If it's an more, aggregated score. Like, how is this possible that most people thought this movie sucked when it clearly didn't suck? So when you read Yelp and you go, man, that fucking restaurant got terrible. I'm not going reviews. there. Are you going to go there? No, but I've been to a Yelp restaurant that's been uh, got like 90% and it's been shit. The thing right. is, these things are so but, uh, prevalent but, now. My, my, the, thing, the thing is, make better movies. Yeah. It's just, make better <laughs> movies. But, but yeah. these things, these aggregated scores mean nothing no, in it the doesn't. long term. But yeah, they do. They, may, they, they, uh, they affect how the movie's performing. Yeah, but at the end of the day, they don't really mean anything because like someone's experience, m- mileage may vary and, and you're getting um, opinions from people who, like the especially Yelp, like any fucking Tom, Dick, and Harry can write a Yelp review. Uh, they could be like, they could be like they had to pay the bill and got mad. That they actually had to pay right. for they their food. They could have had a shitty they... waiter one day. But Rugs, yeah, I... but, yeah, but <laughs> Rug, Rotten Tomatoes, I mean, obviously they're taking movie critics no, and the they're taking... No, but the thing is what Rotten Tomatoes does is that they decide whether that review is is uh, pro or con. So if you have a mixed review that says pro or con, they immediately con it. 60% and above Here's the question for you. 
should a bad movie make money? What bad movies make money all the time? Yeah, well, who, not, but it, no, that's not that's not what's <laughs> happening anymore, Rugway. You're you're, uh, you're, you're Jurassic World to me. Jurassic World is the an anomaly right now. If you look at this year's movies, the Mummy, yeah, Dark, uh, the Emoji movie, yeah. the Transformers film, the Pirates of the Caribbean, all have underperformed yeah. compared to their budgets, and they were all bad right. movies. But then you have the other side, like Get Out, The Big Sick, who have high Rotten Tomato scores. And they've made money, and it's helped them. Rugs, to your point, though, I think down the line, subconsciously, it matters because even me, when I'm on demand on my Comcast and I'm flipping, I'm like, I want to see a movie. The first, I look at the percentage number under each of these, and then that's it. I don't even consider. I just go until I find the number getting higher, and then I'm like. Wait a minute. These could be good movies, but I just passed over all of them because they had a shitty percent score and 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 how that's how it affects all these movies down the line. And then when you attach these scores to movies that came out before Rotten Tomatoes post, like that's even crazier. Uh and it's subjective. Like what is bad? The emoji movie what the studios are going to start trying to do. It says here one possible secret weapon. Sony wouldn't let reviews post until midday on July 27, hours before the picture began playing in previews before rolling out everywhere. They just did this this week with uh Dark Tower, which is getting shitty mixed to shitty reviews. Also, but that movie I've has, heard mixed reviews yes, for that. That movie has been trying to get made for a decade and Sony's been fucking with it and turns out they really fucked this movie over to but the point where But it doesn't mean that it's a terrible movie. No, but they waited to lift the review embargo until the night before the movie came out to combat this. Uh, it's just crazy. Like I don't that's not the answer. The answer is what Anthony said is make fucking better movies. Yeah, but there's legitly like horrible movies and then there's movies that are Decent movies that you that are that are fine. I mean, th- are, you know, but this is not going anywhere either. I don't think uh, you know. Oh, it's not going anywhere at all. Fandango yeah. posts yes the Rotten Tomatoes yes. score before you buy. I a think ticket. that I don't think it's a bridge too far to ask these reviewers that if they want to participate in Rotten Tomatoes. That's a good point. They give a numeric score. I don't think that's asking too much. I think that's asking them to be accountable for their reviews and not let someone else. Re- interpret them or kind of like a boycott. How would you like it if someone interpreted your review as uh, and then put a score on it? Like that's, I wouldn't as a writer or as a a creative person, I wouldn't want someone to, to make up my mind for me. I would want to be the one in control of that. Think about that. I don't know if that's, that's not what we're we're talking about is our movie. Should movie studios be fighting rotten tomatoes and trying to rotten tomatoes is flawed. So if you're going to defend rotten tomatoes, you have to defend it, whether it it is an accurate system and it's an inaccurate system. It's not accurate. It's uh, it's subjective to the people at rotten tomatoes to decide whether a mixed review is a good or bad review. And there's a lot of things you can read reviews, go read a review right now and rotten tomatoes for a movie that's mixed. And you're going to be like, well, this is not good or bad. A lot of good things about this movie. So who's to say, you know, it's like that that's that's a flawed system. So I, I do agree with the, the movie uh, production companies. I don't like to get on the side of corporations, but in this particular thing, I mean, it's people gonna... who review the movies have to be accountable for their reviews and they should give a numeric number if they want to be part of Rotten Tomatoes. It's going to get to the point where the reviews aren't going to come out until the movie comes out or, you know, even afterwards that's because studios aren't confident in their film. Yeah. Make better movies. Like, put it this way. Let's say they listen to our, like, uh, for example, our Spider-Man Homecoming review. Right. All right. We trashed the shit out of that movie, but we all liked it. Yeah. Right. So would we recommend it? Yes. I would recommend it. So that's not that's not a negative 
tomato store score. But if you read the article, they could just assign that a fucking rotten tomato. Right. That there there is a subjectivity to it. I gotta go to the tomato store. You just reminded me. I gotta pick up some tomatoes. <laughs> I forgot to get. I, that I would say way. that having the if the rotten yes the rotten tomato score is flawed. So that that is number one problem. Number two, though, I think is I don't think if if they had the correct score, which they don't, but if they did have the correct uh, system of rating movies and all that stuff, I don't see that as necessarily a bad thing. No, it's improving the system. It's making it it's making it unarguable. Going in with as much info as possible about something I'm going to spend my money on isn't a bad thing. Sure, absolutely. But to your point, Anthony, when you go on Fandango and you like, why would you buy tickets for a movie and it says seven percent and you haven't even seen it? Now I still think I think Fandango and Rotten Tomatoes are owned by the same. Oh, that's why. That's why they do it. Look at the Rotten Tomato score in Homecoming. It's like ninety something. Legit, like high scores. We I don't enjoyed think, the movie, but we had problems with it. Was it was not. I mean, it wasn't so it a ninety-four really percent. Yeah, it, and we're we're three pretty critical guys, so it didn't even it didn't jive with what we were thinking. Correct. I mean, you gave it like a six point five, so it's like obviously maybe they would they, they would have marked you rotten on that one. All right, so it's just it's just weird that these movies that are trying to make money are getting fucked over by people looking at the score and then then that they're judging that movie just outright just like that. But then good movies that are kind of weird and may not have gotten a bump do uh get a bump with Rotten Sometimes. Tomatoes like look at like the Big Sometimes. Sick they mentioned the Big Sick Baby Driver get Dunkirk out. Girls Trip Get Out all these movies yeah, it, it's are working the other way too. Yeah, yeah. Good pieces of cinema with low budgets are getting are now getting the exposure and making big money. Like for Big Sick to be at like 96 percent is amazing for Kumail. Well, that's Manza. like a reaction that that is like a reaction to the basically the franchise filmmaking yeah yeah and, like and smaller movies yeah. are better because we've seen franchise filmmaking and what that is is like it's like paint by numbers make practical making effects new ideas fresh stories yeah. that's what so but then it goes and back I applaud to that. that's great that they're big, getting good they're getting good fucking scores. emoji movie was at zero and it was like a big deal on the internet emoji movies at zero but kids are gonna go see this movie i don't know why and they obviously did and and dragged their parents and it made money uh this is the first year anything this is the first year that i've seen it where rotten tomatoes is really affected things yeah well they didn't transformers yeah. before this was making shit tons of money yeah and they always had rotten yeah. scores no i'm glad that people are like trying to figure out whether a movie is good before they go see it. But I just don't think that the the system it, is, is flawed. The, system, the system is flawed and that that's what they're basing it on. And it's, they don't, they don't go to like Metacritic and then get a cross analysis and, 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 and actually read the reviews a no. lot of the time. They just look at the score and they move on. So that's it's just, it's, it, there's more to no, it. And this, I think this year it's more because, uh, Anthony, like you said, February 2016, Fandango bought Rotten Tomatoes and yep. Flickster. And then, then. And Fandango is your like number one yep, online yep. buying ticket. That site. integration a year or so later is a really, now it's everywhere. That's crazy though. I mean, I know that they bought it. So there's, there, it's that, the same. That company. shouldn't be allowed but to that, happen. But Fandango's end goal is to sell as many tickets as possible. Mm hmm. Who gives a fuck? They don't give a fuck right. if the movie sucks, if it's bad, if it's good. They want their profit off every ticket bought. So them putting it on why there would is kind of stupid. Yeah, why would kind of shooting a, yourself in the foot absolutely. business-wise. Why would you show a low score and, and hurt sales? 
Right. I think we all still have reviewers that we trust, though. Like, even though Roger Ebert is gone and and, and I trust Cisco myself. is gone, but you don't have a That's guy, it. Anthony. I know you got guys you you read that it's still. I like old school. I like to read. I like to do reviews after I see a movie. Yeah, but yeah, I will. Rotten Tomatoes does make like if I see a high score. I'll get excited about seeing a movie. See, here's the thing, though. The trailer of The Dark Tower had me actually interested. I was like, oh, this looks kind of dope. It looks badass. You see Idris Elba reloading his his six-shooter in the air with these bullets like from the top down and cool gun and cool shooting scenes. But apparently, like, there's none of that in the movie. I'll say this. Even though like I defend millennials on occasion, this is more of a millennial thing. Yeah. Where they don't trust themselves. Ah, they, I have a ton of friends that'll look at Rotten Tomatoes and go, "Oh, that movie's gotten really bad reviews. I will never." So see millennials that movie. need everybody's opinion first, and then they, they do, make their own mind. I may, I, maybe I'm generalizing, but some I see. I, I think a lot of millennials look at look at things. They believe and go, that sharing is caring. Sharing there, there is, is a caring. there is a hive mindset to the internet mm-hmm. that millennials very much embrace. It's crazy how there, it's there's, making there's very much. Uh, shared thinking yeah. on the internet. It's crazy how the movie theaters are reacting or movie studios are reacting to this and 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 they're they're And I'm guilty of it too. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look at a rotten score and be like fuck. But there Everyone are really wants me to go to see this that's movie. The thing. I look at the director and I go, "Do I like this director? What has he done?" Yeah. Oh. I I might want to go see this just cuz this guys did it. Like Luke Besson, like I'll go see Valerian I don't care how shitty the reviews are because I like Luke Bassana and he hasn't made a movie that I hated yet. Well, and then you have things like like this the John Wick movies that really flew under the the radar, but they're really it's really good action fucking movie. Yeah, and I feel like it didn't get enough play, but and I don't know what its rating was. But I only there's one what did movie. Atomic Blonde do Atomic Blonde uh, is doing well, but Rotten also oh it is also seventy five. Oh really? But no one's wanting to go see it. Oh, I heard yeah. that it's all again uh, the story's not the greatest, but the action's good. Blah 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 kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But that's interesting. And uh, there's only one movie that got the appropriate rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which is Batman vs Superman. <laughs> oh, <shit>. Nailed it. <laughs> Twenty seven percent. Twenty seven Twenty six. Do you think that that's even fair though? Twenty six percent for Batman vs oh, yeah. Superman. Oh yeah, I think that movie's too awful. high. No, it's too high. <laughs> no, Imran, shut up. You rated seven out of ten. I was high as a kite when I did that. See, when you give a number, you could be accountable for that. Yeah, seventy five percent Atomic Blonde, but yet the the critic score or the viewer score is a lower. But then I heard mixed reviews on Atomic Blonde too. Interesting. So it's very. Valerian was fifty-one percent, which is considered a rotten score. But in any other universe, that's a fifty-fifty. Yeah. You either you like right. it or you don't. Right. It's just kind of in the middle. Anything wow. under sixty is considered rotten. Wow, that's crazy. There should be like a third uh, middle thing. Well, there's Metacritic. I mean, you could go on a Meta- yes. Metacritic. Yes. is supposed it to be a numbers. more accurate yeah. site. Yeah. 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 And I know a lot of people hate Rotten Tomatoes now, and 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 I mean I can see why they give it shit, but at the same I, the time, the only thing that the only thing that people I can understand if you hate Rotten Tomatoes because their score is flawed. Yeah, that system is flawed for sure. Yeah. And Ron, or Rug Boy brought it up. Yeah, but if you're you're saying like if you're generalizing Rotten Tomatoes as a site that has a bias against movies, it's just a amalgamation of critics. So Rotten Tomatoes, you're not blaming Rotten Tomatoes; you should blame the critics. Yeah, I just thought, how do they interpret the critics? That's yeah, that's, that, that's the, the, the there is a part that's kind of intangible, right? And that there. is yeah. affecting the movie going audience, which is in turn affecting the dollars going so to these students. That, if I was a guy that was just spent like two hundred million on a movie right. and wanted to make my money back, right. 
I would be fucking being like, no, you're not going to fucking just on a whim. Give me a yay or a nay. Yeah. Yeah. Give me a yay or a nay on something that you could easily give me a yay on. Yeah. Detroit is at 89%. Dunkirk, 93%. And uh, I mean, I've heard those are are pretty, very solid, good drama movies. Dunkirk, obviously. Uh, And Dark Tower, 18%. Uh, for that seems the dark tower. Okay, yeah. I mean, eighteen percent makes in a movie that's god awful. Yep. <laughs> I, this is what I want you to do. This is a little project you can do later. Okay, so look up your favorite movies yes. from before yes. Rotten Tomatoes. Yes, and see what they get. Yes. Full. What does like what does True Romance get? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, I love True. What, that's one of my favorite romance. movies of all time. And I, Anthony, have you seen okay. True, Rom- True Romance? No, but I looked up right. my favorite movie as a kid. Yeah, Rocky Four. Yeah. Which it oh I'm, that's gonna be low. I know it's that's not gonna a good be low. Movie. It's thirty nine. Thirty nine percent. True romance. I kind of want us to re- do like a retro review, Anthony, because I think you're gonna like this movie. It's at ninety two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So that I agree with. Now there's a really silly comedy that I love. It's really stupid. It's called Brain Donors. It has John Turturro. Rugs, have you seen Brain Donors? Yes, I have. What do you think about it? Oh, I don't know. I haven't seen it in such a long time. It's, it's really it's, fucking weird. It's a, it's like a throwback to, it's like Three Stooges meets Marx Brothers meets, yes. right? Uh, 50%. So like in the middle. And I think that's accurate for the brain donors. But this makes it rotten. <laughs> the 50%. 85. Hey, Sharknado, 82%. Shark, there you go. Sharknado. But, but yeah. you, have to, you, you have to dive deeper in the numbers. There's only like 17 reviews. Oh, that's true. And it's. People oh. Like, oh, this is fun. Because <laughs> this brain donors has, has 10 reviews. And that's the other thing. If you start to rely on this for older movies, pre-Rotten Tomatoes, you're looking at like 10 reviews, 10 opinions, and making up your whole mind uh, yeah, because over that. Back in those days, you had to sh- had credentials to re- review yeah. movies. You couldn't just be a fun fucking millennial who just happens to have a phone. A film journalist or something. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be a Roger Ebert or a Gene Siskel or a fucking... Yeah, you have to be a fuckhead who went to actually and saw all these movies and know something about movies. Well, well, what what a Rotten Tomatoes will do is they'll you could click on top critic score uh, and see what like they read, like top critics that they think are better. Right. Great movies. And then so you filter the reviews filter down out, too. Yeah. So it is a good place to get like a credible reviewers reviews in one spot. Which is probably what initially they they wanted to do, and then it just fucking turned into this. Oh yeah, what I mean when I first went on to Rotten Tomatoes, um, I would just look at individual reviews and click on them, right, and read the whole thing. But now I've okay, gotten so they, lazy that yeah, now I just, just look, look at the, at the number. tomato meter. Yeah. yeah. All right, so in the tomato meter, I just saw this movie. It's called The Circle with Emma Watson and Tom Hanks. Okay. It's a Netflix movie. All right, it just got it just got released. Emma Watson, Tom Hanks. That's a pretty good cast. All right, now when was it made? New movie? Oh, it yeah. was. It's brand new. Yeah. It's uh Bill Paxton's last movie. Uh, okay. Now it got fifteen percent. Nice. Ooh. Now, it was a bad movie. Yeah, I'm not gonna say it <laughs> wasn't fifteen percent bad. bad. But there was it. It did. You want to know something? It did raise a lot of interesting questions. It it did raise a lot of things. You're talking about technology mm. and how um the. the that it like the the new generation thinks that openness is is the key to everything. Oh, it's like a Black Mirror putting, episode. Putting your life online—that's what like putting being transparent, like having no privacy anymore, having like everybody know what you're thinking. It'll make you a better person because people are watching, and so when people are watching, you're your best self. That that's a fucking deep thought. Dude, that, right well, that, the, the, that again, that's the problem with Rotten Tomatoes. It's assigning yes or no to a, a scaled rating system. So now. 
15% is like, maybe it'll do better, but like, I'm not saying it's a great movie. It's not. That sounds like a, the ending is terrible. Dude, that sounds but. you want a better version of that? Watch uh this latest season of Black Mirror. There's a an episode about that kind of and it's really good. Uh Well, that's the one where you get where you get the votes? Yes, yes. Yeah, you get upvoted. Yeah, that one's yeah, great. That. Yeah. One thing about Rotten Tomatoes is I'm looking at the circle yeah. and some reviewers it'll put their rating on there. Yeah. A C rating. That that's what average yeah. To most people, yeah. right? In school, if you get a C, you're yeah. an average student. Middle of the road. That, yeah. That's considered rotten. That's considered rotten. Six, so a, a, a two out of four is considered rotten. Well, a C, I mean, if you're going by grade score, 60 is like a, would be like a D. That would be, no, I a C is 70%, which is above average. Oh, I see. Yes, you're right. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Huh. I'm just saying. So you need like a I, C I do plus. Agree, yeah. I do agree with Rugboy's point that it's... They're assigning a binary decision oh to a rating. Oh, my God. Decision. I just looked at the mummy. Well, okay, this is perfect. I saw that. Okay, this is going to lead into our next section, uh, which Ugh. is Rugs saw the mummy, which is sitting at what, Rugs? 16%. 16%. Let's just roll this into a review recommendation segment. Was it? What do you think of the mummy? Does it deserve the 16% on Rotten no, Tomatoes? No, 16 you don't think it, it's a 16 percent like okay look it make this movie makes more sense than batman versus superman no, that's not hard to do though <laughs> okay honestly. now what's batman's versus superman's 27. score 27 okay wow. it's not not that much it's still better okay all right but like the mummy is this movie where they totally like failed at like the they did this new universe thing they're trying to build a new the world dark universe. Dark universe. yeah and so there is these two opportunities where they completely fail. So uh, you're not going to see this movie, so I'm going to tell you what we happened. Get, look, here, we'll give you the... Strap yourselves in, you fucks. Spoiler time. Go for it. So basically, this bitch gets jealous that her dad, uh, the pharaoh, is no longer like uh, putting her... Like She was in line for the throne, and now she's having he's having a kid with this bitch. In ancient Egypt. In ancient Egypt. So she's like, fuck that. You know, I'm losing it. I'm going to lose everything. So fuck everybody. I'm going to fucking take them out. So she makes a deal with the devil, which is named Set. Okay. okay. Which is their yep. version of the devil. And she said, you know, basically, you know, give me the power and the, the ability to fucking kill them. And Set's like, all right, cool. I'm going to get you this dagger. You this dagger. If you use this dagger and you 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 pick the person that uh, that you want. And since you're doing this, you're killing like. Your father and your whole family, that's like some really evil shit. And that will put you basically, you'll be worthy of bringing me into the world. Right. You're evil enough to bring me into the world, the the, the Satan into the world. Wow. Okay. Okay. So basically, she's got to choose a mate and stab him with this knife. And then when he dies, Set will take over his body. Okay. Okay. And uh, she never gets to do that. They fucking capture her. They throw her in this thing. And okay. So she's like now buried somewhere far away from Egypt. Blah, blah, blah. So cut to Tom Cruise and his dudes. And um, they're, they're on the hot, hot on the trail from, uh, for some relics. He's using the, he's in the military, but he's using the military, his position in the military to like on the side when no one's looking, hunt for shit. Okay. So he's like in the military, but like he's on the side, like doing shit, doing that shit. That explains that why people, terrorists are shooting at him. Okay. So anyway, terrorists start shooting at him and his buddy calls in an airstrike, 
which is very super convenient. Yeah. And doesn't make any sense. But the airstrike blows this huge hole in this village where they were looking for this shit. Convenient. And it just so conveniently opens up this huge hole and they can see that there's an underground thing and they can find it and they find the tomb. All right. So all this airstrike like conveniently is the uh, deus ex machina that gets the gets them to the mummy. Okay. So now they're trying to get this mummy out and this bitch that's inside the coffin, this sarcophagus, like senses Tom Cruise and she, for some reason, locks onto him and chooses him as I'm going to fucking make this guy the vessel. Does she crash the plane? Why does the plane crash? Yeah. So they take the thing and they put it on the plane. And of course, now that she's awakened, she can start putting her will on, on, on the world. Okay. So she summons all these birds and the birds fly into the, into the propellers and fuck up the plane and the plane starts crashing and blah, blah, blah. So basically now Tom Cruise is now chosen by her. Did she, but did she ever like touch him or anything? No, she just saw him. Okay. This sounds awful. (laughs) Okay. I'm trying to (laughs) make sense of this. But it makes more sense than Batman versus Superman. (laughs) That's that's an awful movie. The story (laughs) makes more sense than Batman versus Superman. This is good. I love this version better than watching the movie. The mummy's awakened, right? Yeah. And she, the first guy that she sees, that's the guy that she wants. She wants to bring okay. Satan so into the world. So it's basically the first person she sees is. Yes. She's like, I gotta kill him and make him the bait. Yes. Okay. So she's locked onto him, and she's now obsessed with him. She could probably do it with any other guy. That doesn't make any sense, but I guess it's whatever. Okay. So, um, basically now, it's Tom Cruise trying to go away from the mummy, or first he wants to find the mummy because it's like. He feels like it's going to be like a huge deal for him. Like he discovered something crazy. Right. He has no idea that that whole accident happened because of the mummy. Okay. He doesn't know, but he, he's weird shit's happening. Anyway, lo and behold, he ends up finding the mummy and she basically like orchestrated it that she would come to him. And then he keeps on trying to get away from her, but he keeps inadvertently finding her all the time. Because he like she's keeps drawing him back. She's like she's pulling him, and um, so anyway, finally, uh, out of nowhere, this is the part that really bad is that a bunch of people come and take the mummy and capture the mummy. Like, she's just, you know she's escaped. She's she's um, gotten out and she's revived herself and come into her full form. And she starts trying to lure Tom Cruise back. And all of a sudden, all these guys come out and capture her. They shoot her with fucking harpoons and shit. And it's Russell Crowe. Yeah. So Tom Cruise, he knows where the mummy is all the time because he's always drawn to her. So he just follows his senses okay. and finds the mummy. Okay. And he goes to Russell Crowe's place. And as he goes there, he passes all of these like experiments that are like the merman hand. And there's like a skull with like fangs on it. Okay. And he just passes it. Yeah. They don't acknowledge it. They yeah. just pass through it. And then he goes and talks to Russell Crowe. And he's like, who the fuck are you? And Russell Crowe is just like, I'm the dude who like, who's obsessed with monsters and there's evil. And sometimes, you know, we have to do crazy shit to combat evil. But I have this mummy and I'm going to study her. and I'm going to fucking dissect her and this and that, blah, blah. And uh, basically, um, you find out that he's Jekyll and Hyde, that he's interested in this stuff because he himself fucked with shit that he shouldn't have fucked with. And he's became, a monster. Like, yes. And this is the prodi- so, prodigium. 
Yeah, he, in, in, yeah, he's in he, proboscis. Probis, like prodigium yeah. sounds like like nasty body fluid that comes out. Yeah, I don't know what that is. <laughs> it sounds weird, but like uh, he basically, anyway. So this whole thing unfolds, and at the end of the movie, Tom Cruise is trying desperately to get away from the mummy, but he can't. So, um, in this whole exchange, the girl that basically was the researcher alongside of him the whole time, yeah. she dies. And Jenny, um, Annabelle Wallace's character, Jenny yes. Housley. Okay. And um, she's like, he's like trying to get away from the mummy, but he can't. He realizes that he's got no way out. So he takes the dagger and he stabs himself. Okay. And let's set out into the world. But for some reason he chose to be, he chose to kill himself and not her doing it. Fucked up the ceremony in some way. And this is the part. So there's two parts of this movie. That's really disappointing. Yeah. All right. Not besides as a story is, is shitty. We all understand the story is shitty, but it's, it's, it's not the worst story I've ever heard. Yeah. A guy finds a mummy and the mummy's obsessed with yeah. him. That's I mean, like, that's fine. That's like Dracula was that same story. You know, all these all these monsters have that same story. There's not like it's any it's par for the course right. of, of these monster movies. Right. Um so the thing that they failed on is that okay, you have Jekyll and Hyde, right? Yes. Russell Crowe cr- transforms into Hyde and it, and it's nothing. It's not it, there's no there's no payoff. It's just Russell Crowe with his eyes are a different color. Yeah, it looked like he doesn't really like get bigger or no. become a monster. He's so, just a little bit veiny. Yeah, it, <laughs> it does nothing. It does nothing. He doesn't change his performance. Looks like a, he a how he talks. penis. Like he's supposed to be a second personality. Yeah, like the yeah, Hulk yeah, or something. yeah. He doesn't have anything like that. That the Hulk was based off of Jekyll and Hyde. Yes. And so that was a huge letdown. That would If there would have been a nice visual there right. and a nice maybe scene there, yeah. that would have been cool. And then at the end, when Tom Cruise stabs himself and becomes set, basically the the devil on Earth, yeah, literally nothing happens. He just <laughs> remains Tom Cruise. Is that at the, like the very end? Does he do they does he even do anything once he becomes evil or whatever? Like I think you see him throw somebody and like and like. So he's now and, a monster. Yeah, but he's not the mummy. He's the devil. He's no. Sick. He's he's the he's the devil walking so on Earth. So does the girl? Does Aminet Sophia Battelle's character? Does she die? Yeah, well, he does. He 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 disables her. Basically, makes her inert. This is rough, man. This is horrible. All right, yeah. But no, she, man, this whole thing is rough. How hot? But, how hot is she? By the way, in the movie, she's fine. Okay. But the point is, is that it was entertaining. It was. It wasn't like it was entertaining. It was a bad movie. Yes, it was a bad. But what do you expect from the mummy? You expect something good? An- it was like <laughs> Anthony. Would you, you watch know, this now? <laughs> No, I, mean, I don't okay. think he would watch it. I, he, he he's listening to me talk about it, and no, he knows not, that it's shit. I, I've but like watched, I've read the Wikipedia, so I already knew everything. But um, I trust Rugboy's opinion on most things. I I I'm gonna have to say on this one, I have a hard time believing this is a six out of ten, like you told us. Yeah, what would you yeah. what would you what would you score this? <laughs> six out of ten. I right? would say it was. I wouldn't say it was as bad as the the tomato meter, the tomato meter. So again, subjective opinions and very because I was entertained. Yeah, it was a yeah. stupid movie. But the thing is, I went in with low expectations. I expected it to suck right, donkey dick, right. and I was like sitting there going, "Oh, this is a cool action scene. Oh, this is a cool action scene. Or this is kind of interesting. This is funny." And that, and, folks, is how the tomato meter can help a shitty movie. <laughs> and Jesus. it can lower right. your expectations. All right, yeah. you have this yeah. like hot blonde chick that you expect not to act well, and she acts pretty good. Yeah, 
her acting was decent. Like I could name like a bunch of other actresses in other movies that wouldn't have pulled this role off. Like I can guarantee you that the girl that's in Valerian can't act as well as this girl. Uh, do you mean does. Batala, Sophia Batala herself? Oh, but Sophia Batala was fine. Or the other girl, blonde uh, chick that yeah. Sophia Batala is not bad. Yeah, no, she was in that Star Trek. Annabelle Wallace, you mean? Yeah, she was fine. She was a fine actor. I mean, she's been in good, legit stuff. She was been in The Tudors, which is like a drama. Well, she was in X Men First Class, Peaky Blinders. Yeah, yeah she, she's she's been in like legit shows. So she could actually act. She's not just like some some whatever. But like, um, huh? But like it was All okay. Relative. I mean, it, now, like, <laughs> there is things that are cringeworthy. Yeah. Where they have like a nod to the American Werewolf in London, where his friend becomes a zombie and talks to him. Really, which is really bad, and that I could see that turning someone off for this movie, like right up right away. But I would say I had more fun watching this movie than I did Shin Godzilla. Whoa! Would you re- <laughs> would you recommend? Would you can you recommend? No, this? no. I wouldn't recommend okay. it because I know it's bad. Right. But I, I I didn't have a bad time watching See, it. I wasn't a, sitting there. The degrees of good and bad. It's not black and white. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing. Alex Kurtzman, who's the director, hey, Ron, shut up. Are you would you you think this movie's good? You think it'll be? No, it, it's not. No, good. I'm just saying there's varying degrees for but people. It's not like the worst movie I've ever seen. It's like it was described to me. Like mm. how it was just an abomination. It was actually just parts of it that were entertaining. So somebody would actually enjoy this movie. Despite the, the fucking score on the mummy on the, uh, the people that I watched it with who have, they're not movie reviewers. They all seem to enjoy it. Mm. Now, you know that they're not movie reviewers. They're not critical, <laughs> right. but I'm surprised that, well, the, the biggest thing that the biggest letdown was at the end when Tom Cruise became set and nothing happened. And he has powers. I think if the, so, he I has think powers. If that would have been explored a little bit. And if, if like put it this way, this would have been a much better movie if they would have just delivered on those two things. But they were trying to set all this shit up. My question is, who is the mummy? Who is the mummy did, now? Who is the mummy? But the thing is, it's like the reviews. Tom Cruise is the mummy. Now Cruise is the mummy. Okay. Yes. No, Cruise is set. He's not set. the mummy. He's set. He's Who's the ver- fucking mummy? Yeah. It's, He's a version of Satan. Yeah. So who's the mummy? Where's the mummy? The mummy is in Earth. The money, the mummy. <laughs> Satan. He basically took away whatever powers that he gave to make her alive. Okay. So he he made her inert. Okay. He could always restore her if he wants to. Wow. Even right. there's, so there's an article now. Even Alex Kurtzman, the director, who's kind of helming the dark universe, they asked him about his future with the rest of the dark universe, and he goes, "You know, the truth is, I don't really know. I haven't decided. I don't like not really overwhelmingly. It's, it's, yes, it's been decided for you, Alex. Yes, I think so. Stick to writing. Uh, did you watch? So. Did you watch Dracula Untold? No, I have not seen that. That, right, that was another one that got trashed yeah. in the media. You know, you know, Dracula Untold was supposed to be the start of the Dark Universe, yep, and it yep. got yeah. trashed so bad that this is supposed to be the start it's of the Dark Universe. False start. This is getting trashed so bad that the Dark Universe will probably never exist. Kurtzman's writing now, Star Dracula Trek Discovery. Untold, let's see what their score is. It's twenty three percent. It's actually higher better. than the And movie. I thought that that was a worse movie uh, uh, than okay. this. It was like, well, I think you just saved people from a bullet. I actually enjoyed your uh, description of the movie probably better than I would enjoy the movie. So that was entertaining. Yeah. Um, I we wanted. We to, spent a lot of time on something. Too that much time. That we did. That mo- completely we didn't sucks. See him <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it completely sucks. According to Rugboy, it doesn't. It kind it, of sucks. I, I'm saying that it does suck, but it doesn't <laughs> suck as bad as you think yeah. it does. Look, 
Let's clean that up with some good recommendations. I have two quick things I want to recommend on Netflix. I kept seeing this movie, Okja, on the Netflix. And I'm like, what? With this weird pig thing. What the fuck is this? I finally gave it a shot. It's That's Bong Su Hong. Yeah, Jun Hu Bong. As Bong yes. Jun Bong Jun Hu, right, written and directed Korean guy. Uh, and it's actually a really, it's a pretty good movie. It's about uh, a, a company that's g- genetically engineered the perfect super pig. And they've sent 10 of these around the world to different farms. And in 10 years, they're going to pick the best raised one and bring it back to America. And then like produce it, mass produce it as food for for uh, the, the for the people here. So you meet this girl, Mija, who is a young girl in South Korea who kind of grew up with old which is this crazy super pig and she finds out they're gonna take this uh this thing and she kind of uh follows okja to america and wants to save him and there's a uh, an anti uh animal cruelty group called alf which is kind of funny they're called the animal liberation front but they just they're known as alf uh the cast in this so this guy did snowpiercer june bong june who uh, written and directed, beautifully directed. You got Tilda Swinton, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, Jake Gyllenhaal in, in a crazy, crazy role. Uh, and like, it's weird because you think this would be like a family movie, but there's like a lot of swearing in it. And, and at one point it's pretty dark. And uh, I I really like this movie. I, I would recommend. I remember that Bilotti said this, be prepared to watch Okja and want to, Change your lifestyle. Yeah, it's kind of a tearjerker. It makes you think about the animal slaughterhouse industry and the meat industry and how these animals are treated before they're they're cut up and sent to the grocery stores. And it does make you think about that by creating this like made up hybrid super pig named Okja. But uh, and Stephen Yoon is in it. It's a good movie. It wasn't bad. I was surprised. I was like, this this was really good. I liked it a lot. I've heard nothing but good things about it. I'm just never gonna watch it. You should watch it. I would check it out. The CGI, I the might CGI watch it one is day. very good too on 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 the Okja. Uh, I might I might watch. And then it the other day. thing was a, a show rugs you and I talked about after we were recording last week's show, Ozark, on Netflix, ten episodes uh, about. Give me the Cliff Notes version of what it's about because I've been hearing a lot about. Okay, it. so it's about this guy who works in finances and got the rug boy full movie spoiler. and and he finds out. That his partners have been laundering money for the drug cartel. That all comes to the first episode is very intense. It all comes to a head to where he has to take his family. It's it starts in Chicago actually. He works in Chicago. There's a lot of great sites in Chicago, but he takes his family, relocates them to the lake in the Ozarks, which is down south in Missouri, uh, and he is going to launder money. For the drug cartel now to keep himself alive. It's like an impossible situation. Yeah, so I've watched the first three episodes and it's all about how he goes down there and you actually learn a lot about like finances and how to like fucking skim money and and launder money a little I bit. Basically, and, I pitch this to Emron as it, it's Breaking Bad. It's Breaking but Bad, like, but you're laundering it, money instead of making meth. It's like a different version of Breaking Bad. It's like, it it has everything that Breaking Bad has except for the, the, the meth. Yeah. But it has a guy who's like this meek guy who, who's stuck in a bad place. Who's who's stuck in a bad place, who does these things, and um he has to like align himself with people that he wouldn't normally align himself with yep, to get yep. the, the job done. And uh he puts himself in an impossible situation. Basically, he has to go to this place and launder this money where it's not easy to launder money in this place because there's not a lot of business. Yeah. 
So you can easily do that in Chicago because you got all of these businesses you can use. So he's got to be really, really crafty about what he does with his money and how he avoids getting the cartel up his ass. It's interesting because his argument to the cartel for going down there is like, look, up in Chicago, you got the feds, you got the, the gangsters, you got the government all up in your ass. He's like, let me go down to the Ozarks during the summer. You got rich assholes coming down more more coastline than California, and I will wash money for you. Now, I've watched three episodes. I really like it. The revelation here is fucking Jason Bateman. Uh, it, there are times he's like acting so badass. Like there's times where I don't buy it completely, but there are times where I'm like, God damn, Jason Bateman, you got balls. You got balls to be doing this and you don't expect this kind of performance from the Bateman. Well, the character is a lot like Walter White. Yes. He's the smartest guy in the room. Yes. Yes. And so if you miss Breaking Bad, it's like Breaking Bad, instead of being in New Mexico, you're on the lake with like hillbillies. Yeah, with white trash on the lake down south. It's it's pretty good. I'm I'm excited to check out the rest of it. So I saw the whole season yeah. and I I kept on comparing it to Breaking Bad. Yeah. I was like, I'm like, this is Breaking Bad. Is they're just remaking Breaking Bad with a different plot? It works though. But um it's enjoyable. It's slow in parts, and there's annoying things that happen, but I mean there's annoying character arcs that like really bug me, but the finale makes up. Does it set it up for another season or does it kind of wrap it up? It does. It, it does. does indeed. Hmm. Anthony, you got anything to recommend? I do. Good. I do. Um, I've been binging on a lot of video essays on ah, YouTube. Yes. Um, YouTube's actually great for these video essays where people analyze film, especially if you're really into superhero films. I'm sure you can find them on all sorts of films. But there's a lot of great work being done on superhero films. Um, three that I kind of linked. I've watched plenty more, but three I've kind of linked. Um, of course, I'm going to link a Why Superman is a Terrible Character, Fixing <laughs> BBS. So I uh, watched this one. Very, very good. Very good. Very oh, my good. God. Like, very well done. And slight edits to what could have happened in that movie would have made him such a better That's character. That's the best part. This guy just tweaks a couple of things. And you're like, yes. That's all. That's all you had he to do. He doesn't change any scenes. No. All he does is change dialogue. He works within Batman versus Superman parameter. I want to give credit. It's the guy's usual handle is Rant and Bollocks. I will link all these. Also, these are posted on our Facebook group. I will link these in the show notes. This one is great, specifically because the guy. Look, he goes. You just have to do this and this here. And basically, I love his point about you have. A, it's writing. It it's really writing. He's writing. like, you have a hero. Did you watch it, rugs. Yeah, I did. Okay. You have a hero. You have an obstacle. Give him two emotional choices so that we invest ourselves with the character. And he brilliantly points out that uh, Clark makes no emotional choices. Nobody cares what he does. And then he goes, look, you fix this thing here. You fix this thing here. Now all of this shit. He even made like the Flash future dream make sense. And I was like, this is fucking great. He did a great job with that one. That was really good. Yeah. And just smile more, uh, Superman. Yeah, that's all he has to do is smile. <laughs> I love the comparison to the Indiana Jones. Indiana it Jones, was perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Very, Very good. good. Watch that if you guys have yeah. time. 23 like minutes. 23 it's minutes. not bad. It's not, not too It's bad. totally worth it. Yeah. Uh, next one I have is a guy that I've been watching for a little bit. His name is Films and Stuff. Mm -hmm. He does a lot of critical analysis of different aspects of film, but the one I linked with these guys was How Disney Conquered Hollywood. And if you, It's only four minutes and 20 seconds, but very well done and... You kind of realize, holy shit! Disney owns the fucking system right well, now. Well, they really bought they bought their way they bought their to way like, through greatness. <laughs> yeah, they basically were like one. They had some money from Pixar, and well, they acquired Pixar. Yeah, think, that was yeah. like a big boon for that them. That was the beginning of it. Think of the five things they own. They have 
Because that was their competition. Yes. Yeah, and then all of a sudden they got them under their wing and then started like co-producing and then they just bought them I out. I mean, between Disney live action, Disney animation, Pixar, Lucasfilms, and Marvel Studios, uh, how do you not make billions and billions of dollars? They really, they really like, they just sucked up half of everything. It's evil genius, people. Well, that and they know how to space their movies so that they own dates when they need to. They own months and this, this um video essay goes into how they kind of emphasize throughout their films character work um, that's and, the most important thing and that and that's why people like it and enjoy it because not only do they make good they create group, iconic yes, characters and they they always are characters. creating new ones and right so they give you some of the old and then here's some new crazy ones and then here's something you remember now here's another great new one and you're gonna watch it because you trust us because we've built this well, brand just like what disney equity. always does yeah, i mean yeah look at snow white yeah. like or or well, those like are all those- hans christian anderson tales that yeah, they uh, reused, and now everyone thinks they and wrote they, that. But shit. I mean, you're talking about like these things were like 60 years old. Yeah, they and, were. And they're, they're still resonating with people. Yeah. Um, they just constantly know how to keep things in the public eye, make and keep them relevant. They keep they have a channel that they pump this stuff out on all the time. They re-release these these movies. They have a mark. Their marketing is like second to none. They really know how to maximize. That their character I don't know. value. I don't know. There's no stopping. There's no stopping them right now. They're doing very well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're doing very well, and they, they've, uh, they've earned a lot of uh, goodwill. Um, the last one is by Houston Productions One. Now, this one is called the Marvel Cinematic Universe Analyzed. Yes. This one's very long. Only someone like me would probably watch this. It's an hour twenty. Yeah. Hour twenty. It's almost an hour and a half. But it's basically this teenager. <laughs> analyzing every Marvel Cinematic Universe film up to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Oh, okay. Now, if you can get over the fact that he sounds like he, he is a teenager and he's going through puberty, it's actually very well. He's really, he's really well-spoken. He's very well-spoken. well thought he, out. He knows what he's talking about. And I, I actually, I, I've, I'm making my way through it. I've got through that. I'm going to watch the whole thing because I do like this kid's point of view and his the points that he makes. Uh, no, he did a great, this kid does a great job. I was surprised. He's and also he got a never podcast. never seen tits in his life. <laughs> Not yet, anyways. <laughs> he's also got a podcast called Blockbusted Podcast. Okay. He's good on it. His co-host is terrible. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you end up liking this film, he's also, this video essay, I, I put a link in our chat. And maybe I'm around, I'll put it yeah. in the show notes. But it's a, it's called the Dilemma Wonder Woman, a review and analysis. Oh, that's him too. It, it, that's him too. And that'll bring up points about Wonder Woman where you're like, Holy shit, that third act is kind of a mess. Yeah, you know, the third act, if I was to think about it more, it would absolutely be a mess. He almost, spoiling it, he basically is like, the third act ruins the movie, which I won't go that far. Yeah. But it, his analysis, I'm like, oh, I he, can see that. He's part. right. In a, <laughs> in, in a lot of ways. They could well, have, I'll, uh, I'll sum it up. Yeah. Okay. He, what he says is the whole story of the film is Wonder Woman realizes that men it's not just binary good or evil that men are shitty right right that's the whole like conclusion she comes to man man is evil man is man shitty. is evil yeah, yeah but when she kills Ares, the war stops yeah so then man what wasn't is evil? the lesson yeah. is it man was evil yeah and or it man was influenced by Ares, or he wasn't but we know that there's more wars so wait is steve trevor wrong about humanity what the fuck no, she's an idiot and doesn't realize that it's just a coincidence that the armistice happened the same time she killed Ares and everyone is. No, but that's not that's, that's not what happens. That's not what the, that's 
that how the movie frames it. Yeah. The movie frames it like she kills Ares and everyone's like, oh shit, oh, we should be friends. Yeah, yeah, it's very muddy. That, so he he makes the claim that that ruins the film. Because yeah, you killed Ares. Why is there still fucking war then after that? You know. No, no. There shouldn't be. She thinks there should. Why should there? No, she comes to the conclusion that air, killing Ares doesn't matter. Humans, you, that's that's a lesson you're supposed to come to. That oh. it doesn't humans are inherently shitty. But there happens to be a coincidence where she kills Ares and the war stops. <laughs> so the the movie's message is muddled. It's muddy. Yes, it's muddy. <laughs> that's the conclusion. I just said that muddy yeah. writing in a dark CGI fucking sky background. That, that is awesome. But yeah, that, it's also very well done. Yeah, I'll put links to all these things. There's I tons of video essays. Yeah. There's tons of really there's, good video there's essays a lot. out there. I, I like to watch a lot of video essays yeah. myself, but I don't think to like pass them on to other people because they just digest them and like go on to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. You got to sh- <laughs> sharing great. is caring rugs for the millennials. Well, I, I used to, I would, I was thinking about just not sharing them and then <laughs> framing them as my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, nah. Someone's going to watch this. Someone's going to watch this. That's what I do. <laughs> um, it's okay uh, to frame your opinion, but you just give them credit. Like, I got it from here. I um I have been watching Comic Book Girl 19's Dune Club, okay. which is, if you've ever known the, the, the novel Dune. I was it's never like in fucking, Dune. It's fucking impossible to read. And I'm surprised you don't like it because it's got so much fucking Middle Eastern bullshit in there. <laughs> it, it's like really, it's really based on. Uh, is there a shawarma? No, there's a lot of Arabic and uh, really proto-Muslim uh, lore involved, but um, basically, doing you know, sand, you know, yeah, Imran. <laughs> so, I get it. Look, I'm not Arab, first of all, you motherfucker. But but I'm, I know, but I'm saying there's Muslim like things, like things yeah. that are the terminology that are oh. it's all proto-Muslim. Yeah. So um, anyway, um, it's this crazy inaccessible novel. And I could never read it. I tried it's really to read long, it. right? I think yeah, that's why I really never checked it long, out. <laughs> and they tried to make movies out yes. of it and they always suck yes, balls. Yes. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, all right. She's like having this book club where she discusses like she re- she'll read like a bunch of chapters and then just basically do what we do and just like kind of paraphrase it. OK. And talk about oh, it. So she and I'm actually for the first time, like understanding Dune. She's doing the cliff notes for Dune for you. Yes, oh, I would watch exactly. that. I would watch that. And there's also this other guy. I wish I didn't fucking remember his name, but it's this Thug Notes. <laughs> thug Notes. Where he, it's like this dude who, like he does the thugged out book review of like all of these classic novels. Oh, no way. Yeah, look it up on YouTube, Thug Notes. And he's fucking great. That's like, I had my sister for my birthday one year bought me a cookbook written by Coolio. Which, if you guys didn't know, he's actually a good cook and healthy recipes. But let me tell you, this is the cook. You're never going to read another cookbook with so much swearing in the cookbook. The directions are literally throw some fucking salt in that bitch and put it in the oven. Like, it's a hilarious cookbook by Coolio and healthy, clean, clean recipes. Very weird. Uh, also, I've been trying to get through Silicon Valley on HBO, and it's fucking great. I, no, it's I went through the first two seasons. I got two more seasons to go very good stuff check that out all right good recommendations uh that before we peace out i got a piece of audio from a listener here it is right here hey what's up anthony imran and rugs it's your old pal jimmy the geek from northern california giving you a call a couple of episodes ago uh, you wanted to know if your voicemail still works well it looks like it does i, I don't know if you're actually going to get this message but uh the greeting uh, was working and uh, here I am leaving you a voicemail. So 
Uh, great show as always. Uh, I even went back and listened to your uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe rankings from 2015, uh, August of 2015. Um, you guys did a top 12. I think it's time for an update. Uh, you know, we can get rugs in on the next one, uh, get another set of rankings, and there's four more movies to add. Uh, so I'm just uh, requesting maybe an update. I don't know. But um, you guys are awesome. Thanks for all the hard work you do. I uh, love listening every week. Uh, one last thing. Um, went and saw Spider-Man Homecoming again and found a couple uh, continuity things, and maybe you can help me. Uh, maybe I'm off here, but... Um, so during the movie, they you know the whole thing is the Avengers are moving to this new facility, but weren't they in the new facility in Civil War? And I think there was a shot of the new facility during Ant Man, and uh, I think one other film uh, they were at the new facility. So um, I didn't understand like in Homecoming they are going to this new facility, but they had already been at the new facility in a couple other movies. So anyway. Don't know if I missed something with that, but I thought that was uh, a continuity thing. And one other just, like, small nitpicky thing, but uh, it, later in the in, in the film, uh, Peter is talking to Ned uh, at that party, and he says, hey, I'll see you at school tomorrow, uh, indicating that uh, this, the party that they went to was on a, on a school night. But then later in the film, when he's talking to the suit lady, he asks her to pull up film, from last Friday. So he, he was saying that the party was on a Friday, so there was like kind of a continuity thing there. Like, on one hand, they said it was a school night, and then later he said it was a Friday night. So just one little thing I saw uh, in the movie, along with the Avengers facility thing. Anyway, you guys are awesome. Thanks for taking my call. Jack and Nerd! Jack and Nerd! Ah, I love where they end with the Jack I, I can nerd. help him out. Okay, he's right though. I that bugged me too. I thought about that. And I never brought what, the it up. school thing. No, the uh, the other thing about the well, movie. I'll address the school thing okay. first. That one, very good, uh, very good on him picking that out. Yeah, good catch. Good catch. If that's true, that's a nice little nitpick there. Yeah. Um, as far as the facility, the Avengers facility in upstate New York shows up in Age of Ultron at the end. Yeah. Um, Civil War and Ant Man and Ant Man. So yeah. he is right that it shows up in three films. The only way I can defend Marvel is I th- kind of interpreted it as they were they had both the Stark, the Avengers Tower, and the facility up At- north, and they were moving. Finally, deciding that the one up north was the full time. So facility. they were just cleaning out. Finally, like they were. That's it was the at the same time. It. Yeah, but it could be a continuity error. Man, well. th- this was, this Spider Man Homecoming was like the loosey goosiest uh, of for continuity. Well, for a lot you, of these movies. If you think about it, Ant-Man happens first, right? right. Age of Ultron, well, actually. A- Age, Age of Ultron, of Ultron right. Ant-Man, then Civil, War. then Civil War, and then Civil War and Spider-Man happen right after each yeah, other. Yeah, they overlap. So, uh, Ron Hans, when he wrote us that long email, he also had mentioned this scene that didn't make sense about moving day. My other question is, who fucking bought Avengers Tower? Is that going to be a thing later on? It's gonna be <laughs> really, Imran. Yeah, I want to know who bought this thing and what. Yeah, nobody gives a shit what, about what that. What do they do with this in, in 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 the future when they show New York and the fucking towers there? There are times, Imran, when you get so nitpicky, it's ridiculous. This is one of those. <laughs> I times. want to know who the real estate agent was, what the escrow is, what they listed, how much money Tony Stark made. Uh, off, Donald Trump bought it. I think. It, yeah. Oh, oh that would America, be hilarious bro. if they just put Trump on the building the next time we see it. In, in a Marvel movie, the A, there's a big T there now <laughs> instead of uh, the A. Hey, it well, should the, be the, in the, continuity to Marvel. It should be like Stain or whatever. The last oh, yeah. president of uh, Marvel was in Iron Man 3, 
and it was Warren Ellis. That's right. President Ellis. It would um, be him. And he and he Warren Ellis is a the guy that wrote Extremis. Oh yeah, that was a nod to Extremis. I forgot the actor's name yeah. that played him, but he's a he's a famous actor. Uh so Gary Shanley? <laughs> I'm not Gary Shanley. No, <laughs> some, Shanley was, was the, the Hydra movie. agent. Was, yeah. It, it oh, was, right. uh, let's see here. Warren Ellis was Shanling was the Hydra agent. Also, I found this article that they were going to have a reference. William Sadler. William Sadler. I remember his face. I could see his face. Yeah, I could. See. There was a scene they cut out where they did reference Uncle Ben. Uh, oh, shit. They talked about, they said we did talk about there being a scene where Aunt May references him directly. It was when Peter was getting ready for homecoming and the wardrobe she was giving Peter was all Uncle Ben's clothes. It was a nice moment, but we also knew that it veered away from his arc. If you're going to talk about someone's death, you don't want it to be a throwaway. Yeah. I don't know. I, that, I thought that could have worked. I wouldn't have minded no, that. You, you can't throw in Uncle Ben and just make it that passing thing. But like if they're if they think the audience just knows Uncle Ben and what happened and we don't have to show him, wh- why would this also, be bad? If I want to get fucking nitpicky millennial, yeah, no chance in hell. I'm wearing some I'm old wearing, man's wearing clothes, clothes, clothes now <laughs> for a party. What, no what chance. If, <laughs> what if um, Peter Parker was hungry and then Aunt May made him Uncle Ben's Uncle rice? Uncle Ben's rice, and then he's just sitting there <laughs> yeah. crying, looking at the box. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, just really, man? You had to pick this brand of rice there's nothing yeah. else you could be giving yeah. me and she's like exactly. and May's like oh shit my bad I didn't that even... would have been awesome <laughs> Uncle Ben's rice Uncle, da- uh, uh, Uncle Ben doesn't look like that <laughs> this looks like a black uh, version of my uncle Aunt May what's going on <laughs> this is wrong on so many levels <laughs> oh shit alright well that's the show everybody thanks for hanging out as always subscribe in iTunes so you get the show Leave a nice rating. Leave review. a rating, a review. Join the uh, Patreon fan club. But the most important thing, tell a motherfucker. Tell a friend. Spread the geekery. Post it on your Facebooks and your Twitters and your Instagrams. Uh, get this out there. Run up to the next person you see. Give them one of these. Jock and nerd. And the dramatic pause. And you may get a movie role because they were like, wow, that was quite a dramatic reading of that. And the show, Run. Oh, the show's over. Uh, Rugs, where can the people find you? Really rug boy at Twitter. On the Twitter. Follow him. Follow us. Thanks for listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. My name is Imran. My name is Anthony. He's the jock. He's a nerd. We'll peep you next time. Peep. <laughs> peep. 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 Make peepees. you wash your ass. <laughs> what is he saying? Pablo, honey, you wash your ass. Come with me to Florida. <laughs> Did they even know what that's about, Pablo Honey? Jerky no. boys. It's old. Oh, it, nobody okay. knows what the jerky boys are anymore. Pablo Honey? Pablo Honey, you wash your ass.